0: welcome everyone uh, we're excited to have you if you're a visitor today um, i get the privilege of introducing our guest um, so for those of you who don't attend here regularly i just want to share with you um, our heart is just to go after the things of the lord um, to really look at the word of god and see how the disciples demonstrated the kingdom and and do that um, we're present-day disciples so we are just trying to grow in that and learn from those who maybe are further along they're kind of where we see like Lord take us there so um, that's why we reached out to global awakening um, and we invited Justin Allen to come and he is one of Randy Clark's associates if you know who Randy Clark is and um, we're just honored to have him here we're honored that he would come honestly when we sent the invitation or a smaller church we didn't expect to hear back and within maybe a week it was maybe about a week um, Justin called back, and he had checked the website and felt like I'm supposed to come. So, praise God. We're excited. Um, I feel like the Lord is in this. So, yeah. So, um, without further ado, we invite Justin Allen up. Come on up. And I'm just gonna lay a hand on you real quick. Yeah. So, if you guys agree with me in prayer, Father, I just we thank you for Justin. God, we thank you for a willing heart. Um, to come when he didn't have to come God we thank you just for w- willingness Lord And we just ask for the word of the Lord through Justin God That you'd open our hearts open our minds Help us to receive from you God help us to be challenged to grow increase our hunger for you, Lord We ask for your presence God and we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen, Amen. Amen.
1: spirit so There's uh, what I was thinking about doing is potentially three. I think what we're going to do is two teaching sessions and then like an open Q&A, if that's okay, because I don't want to spend all my time answering questions you're not asking, right? That's the worst part about preachers, right, is they just spend a lot of time explaining something that nobody cares about. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, so like, I want to find out what you act, what are the deep inquiries in your heart, and like, why don't we go from there? I'm not afraid for people to ask me questions. I think that I should be ready to give an answer, a reason, an explanation as to this hope. That we have inside, and if I have this stuff that I'm teaching you, then there should be some kind of practical answer for how you can. You know, everybody in this room is not going to be an evangelist or run around and fill stadiums. Some people are business owners, some people are teachers, some people are moms and dads, and that's okay. And that's what God has called you to do. So, what does the glory look like on a mom and a dad, a son and a daughter? What does the glory look like on a teacher? What does the glory look like on a nurse? What does the glory look like on a doctor? I am thoroughly convinced. That the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven looks like that everybody gets to play and everybody gets to do something. Some of you right now are thinking, oh my gosh, he talks so fast. I wasn't ready for this. I can see it on your face. You're like, oh, Jesus, help. Help him, Lord. I'm actually easing into it. When I get excited, you're going to be concerned. I'm going to make up words call those things that aren't as though they are so they can become words. Is that how that goes? But uh, I, I, I really, I feel like I want to do, there's two things. So I want to uh, I, I, I hit identity, who we are in Christ. I want to talk about intimacy as well. And the emphasis actually for the, the whole thing is uh, this afternoon is actually the gifts, but charismatic Christianity and kind of like revival and renewal circles, they do a really good job of explaining the gifts to death but they don't talk about the nature in which we should operate in them sometimes. And I'm a firm believer that we, God gave us the gifts. I'm not anti-gifts. I love gifts. He's a father of lights, and every good gift that comes down, it comes down from him, right? He's a good father. If we ask for bread, he's not going to give us a snake or a stone. That's crazy. So if we ask in faith, believing, we'll be given those things. I believe that. But I think it would be absurd and foolish for us to place all of our... Emphasis or validation or, or um, vindication for ministry on gifts that are irrevocable that come absent from any kind of sacrifice in your life because the Bible says the gifts and call of God are irrevocable or they, they can't be taken away, so they, they're actually given to you not based on your merit. You can't earn the gifts of God that are on your life, you can't earn the call of God that's on your life. It's a free gift just like salvation, so it would be a poor choice to validate myself back, based on a gift that was given absent from my credentials, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, right? There's a song from Sunday school. If you went to Sunday school, it's pretty funny. You can go through them. Um, I thought that would land better than it did. I won't tell that joke again. Just going to rewind. Act like that didn't happen. But the fruit of the Spirit is is an indicator that we are connected to the life source. That we are, He is the vine, we are the branches. Apart from Him, we don't produce fruit and we can do nothing. So the emphasis is actually abiding with Christ and you will understand who you are. uh, Identity is understanding who you are and what you have access to. But that abiding thing, that, that, that abiding in the shadow of the Most High, in the secret place of the Most High, People get really concerned about, am I operating in the gift the right way or should I do this or shouldn't I do this? It's a lot easier to operate in the gifts when I can just look to the left and say, hey, Holy Spirit, is this right? You know? But if I'm operating in a gift that's without repentance and I'm not walking in intimacy, I can be over here doing my best to work a gift that actually isn't connected to intimacy, but they're intended to be joined together. Does this make sense? So we're going to talk about those two things. I do prophetic schools all over. Uh, this country and a lot of other countries and we talk about prophetic gifts, seer anointings, how to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We'll talk about all of it. Um, I promise I talk fast so we're going to cover a lot of ground and if you're like ah I don't know what to do there's probably recordings maybe they can get those yeah and just play them back six or seven times and you'll get maybe the first 10 minutes. But we're going to talk about intimacy and we're going to talk about like abiding in the presence of the Lord. And then after that, I actually will open it up to questions because most of the time questions people have, they come in with the questions. The questions don't rise in the message. Sometimes they do, but you came with questions and inquiries in your heart. There's a reason that you're here this morning. Some of you have had dreams. Some of you have had visions. Some of you, the Lord said, you need to come here and I'm going to teach you about what uh, I'm walking you through in your life. So I'm not unaware that the Holy Spirit has been weaving uh, beautiful tapestry of the lives of his church together to this moment um, where we're coming to go deeper in him. Is that all right? I'm going to give you a second to catch your breath as I catch mine and buckle up because we're going to go some places um, today, but uh, let's, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. Um, I love the Bible. Anybody in this room love the Bible? If you don't, we'll get you saved and delivered and walking on the straight and narrow, right? I believe, I love the gifts, I love miracles, signs and wonders, I love the glory, and I love revival, uh, but you need to have a foundation in the Word of God. Uh, his Word is a lamp to our feet, it's a light to our path. You need to know uh, the way, this is the way, walk in it. And uh, I believe in a merger of the Spirit and the truth. Um, the letter uh, kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if you have the Spirit in operation without the letter in your life, you can get into some squirrely, crazy, weird winds of doctrine. And I would be, it would be a disservice of me to come and give you 50% of the gospel. I feel like I should give you the whole thing. So Second uh, Corinthians five sixteen 16 through uh, 21 is probably where we're going to start. And I'm going to set my timer right now, and we'll see where we end up. And uh, then we'll take a break so you guys aren't drowning with excessive amounts of information. And all God's people said, thank you, Jesus. So 2 Corinthians 5, 16-21, I'm going to hit several things here um, on the, on, with the emphasis of identity. And I'm sure in a church like this that is a kingdom church that loves the Lord and is going after the supernatural and revival, identity is not a new message to you. It's not something that's probably groundbreaking. And sometimes even when I begin to talk about it, people like, roll their eyes, or there's an audible sigh in the room, like, is it, are we going to hit identity again? It's like, we are absolutely going to hit identity again. You know why we're going to hit identity again? Because I go all over the world, and I minister to prophets all the time, and you know who needs to know identity the most is the prophetic people. You know who needs to know identity the most is the people who are very, very gifted, because it's really easy to exchange what you do for who you are. It's much harder to stay vulnerable and naked and unashamed before the Lord. You know, Adam and Eve, they walked with the Lord in the cool of the day, naked and unashamed. And when sin entered in, when they began choosing good and evil for themselves rather than eating from the tree of life, which was actually uh, God, communing with Him face to face, when they decided, hey, I'm going to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to actually separate myself from God and make good choices on my own obviously evil is bad we all know that evil would separate us but they are now judging good for themselves and it separated them from god don't ever 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 forget that he is the life source he is the tree of life and the most important thing that you can do is not be a judge of good and evil for yourself but it is to be joined with christ god was in christ reconciling the world back to himself the initial design, the initial intent is that you walk with the Lord in the cool of the day, speak to him face to face as a man speaks to a friend. All that Jesus did in coming, um, I was raised in very conservative upbringing. So I was Southern Baptist is the way that I was raised. I love the Southern Baptist, um, but there is uh, an evangelistic tactic that was exercised as I was coming up that was kind of, you know, turn or burn, get right or get left. You know, like if you were to die today, what would happen, you know? And I'm not saying that scaring People to death doesn't work to get a response out of them. However, it may not be leading them into a truthful relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 is also very important. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. The gospel is the good news of the kingdom. If your gospel doesn't sound like good news, maybe it ain't the gospel. And uh, I, I listen to people and I go to churches sometimes and they're like, well, the church is dying. I'm like, well, well, tell me what your interpretation of the gospel is. Because <laughs> if it's uh, self-righteousness works and keeping a list of do's and don'ts and trying to stay in by the skin of your teeth, then it's not the gospel of the kingdom. If it's the finished work of the cross of Calvary, then maybe people would want a little something. You know, if it looks like Jesus is irresistible, I'm a firm believer that if he'd be high and lifted up, he'll draw all men to himself. So we need to manifest Christ better. But manifesting Christ better looks like you've got to die so that he can live. The old man's got to be taken off so the, the, the fullness of Christ can be manifest in you. You guys all right? Yeah. I'm going to preach the gospel to you. This ain't my notes right now. I'm just talking. The gospel is real. I am thoroughly convinced. I just turned 33. I've been preaching the gospel, you know, since I was 16. I'm telling you that I'm telling you that I'm telling you the power of the gospel to transform, to reconcile people back to God is real. I don't care how lost they are. I don't care how hopeless it seems. I've seen impossible situations bow to the name of Jesus more times than I can count. And I have a problem because sometimes I come into settings and I have to argue with believers about the goodness of God. And it proves to me that people have a head knowledge of the gospel, but they actually don't know the, the God of the Bible. They don't actually know that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. They actually don't know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And when we get set free by the good news of the gospel of the kingdom, everything in our life changes because now I don't evangelize because I have to. Now I don't evangelize because I'm trying to win points with God. I mean, he's already pleased with me. It's just my reasonable service in light of what he's already done. It's just out of overflow. So now I'm not super concerned about uh, this person hearing the gospel or did I prophesy right? I'm just stoked that I get to partner with God. Yeah. I was once an enemy with God. I was at enmity with God. Like sin separated us from the Father. Sin is a real issue that had to be dealt with, but God made a way when there seemed to be no way, right? We were dead in our trespasses and sin. There wasn't even a chance. Ah, oh, I love Jesus. Sometimes we, we get in church too long, we become professional pew sitters, we become professional Christians, and we think that, you know, like, I got in by grace, but I've been here long enough, I'm pretty sanctified. Now these new people, they got to meet these requirements, right? Oh, I can't, you can't believe the way they did that, or they did that. like so, hey, you kind of forgot how you got in. Because your righteousness is, filthy, righteous, is, is a filthy rags, right? Our righteousness, our best day. On your best day the, day, the day that you didn't get irritated and, you know, give somebody the one finger salute in traffic because they cut you off. On your best day, I know none of y'all get mad in traffic and i have never had any road rage. That hasn't happened in this church with these people. <laughs> Too sanctified for that. But on your best day, when you weren't having those issues, you desperately needed the blood and body of Jesus Christ on your worst day. When you, didn't, when you didn't know Christ, when you were far from him, when you weren't seeking him, he was seeking you. On your worst day, you're worth the blood of Jesus. Ah, because what you do is not what dictates your value. What heaven says about you is what dictates your value. And God decided to send heaven's only son, who was the exact representation of him. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God is not the bad cop and Jesus is not the good cop and they're not wrestling back and forth. And (laughs) Jesus didn't like convince God to set you free. God sent his son into the world to save you. So there's not an angry God in heaven. There's a God that actually saved you for himself, to to himself, for himself, and by himself. Like it it actually had less to do with you than you think. You just said, okay, (laughs) okay. You're like, well, what about, what about my, my decision? It matters, but not as much as you think it does. Your yes and amen to, to let him have his way is important, but he empowers you to do everything that you're supposed to do. The whole Christian life implies that you've got to die first so that you can truly live. Yeah. That you can't. It's not a little bit of Jesus and you. If you think it's Jesus and you, man, you're going to be wrestling with yourself the rest of your life. Just die already, you know? Yeah. Just put the old man to death and let the fullness of Christ be raised up inside yeah. of you. Justin, what does this have to do with anything? It has everything to do with everything. I promise you, I've been in church too long. We we love, it is so much easier to do stuff than it is to have relationships. It's so much easier for me to do this and to do this and to do this than to simply abide in the presence of the Lord and let him examine me. And as he sees things that he asks me to remove, it doesn't mean he doesn't love me. It means that he does love me and that he's a good father and he chastens those he loves. And if he doesn't chasten you and if he doesn't discipline lies and, and lack thinking out of you, then it proves that he doesn't love you and you aren't his and he isn't yours. But if he's doing those things and you rejoice and you say, oh man, this is great. You guys Okay. I'm having fun. Not even, not even where, where we're going yet, but I'm going to get to 2 Corinthians, I promise. In the next three hours, we'll hit it at least a little bit. Oh, man. But this idea of righteousness and holiness through association, because I was raised in a generation that spoke much of works and not much of relationship. It was like you, 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 you pray a prayer to get into heaven And then you do the best you can for the rest of your life just to live an okay life. And the truth of the gospel doesn't say that. The the truth of the gospel says that if you got in by the blood and body of Jesus Christ, you're not even the same as you used to be. You're a completely different thing. And if you're something completely different, if you're a new creature, a new creation, and you actually have the nature of God inside of you, oh man, the Trinity is hovering over the earth say hey let's let's have a conversation about what man's gonna be. let us make man in our image that's a powerful statement that was father that was son and that was holy spirit jesus didn't just come onto the scene when you needed to be gloriously rescued it was actually the express intent of the godhead from the foundation of the world to reconcile you to himself sin was not a thing that like snuck up on god and he had to have a solution do you realize that? So most, a lot of people in church don't actually realize like, that, that Jesus dying on a cross was not a plan B. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before sin was an issue, the Godhead sat around and they said, you know what love looks like? Love looks like sacrifice. Oh, yeah. oh man. And then we get into situations and the Bible's full of God is love, right? god is love so the way that he manifests his love towards us is through sacrifice and the way that we now minister the ministry of reconciliation is that we sacrifice that we lay down our lives for the sake of our brothers and sisters but in 2019 in north america when we come into situations where it looks like we have to sacrifice something we somehow feel like god is judging us and the reality is it's just the fellowship of the sufferings of jesus christ it's what we signed up for and we didn't even know it you guys okay so sacrifice is actually the manifestation of love. And it's less about sin, and it's a more, more about the glory of the... the oh, man. Whew. I'm going to run circles. I don't know how Pentecostal y'all are, but I'm about to get Pentecostal in here. It's about the glory of the Lord being revealed in you. Uh, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That was preached at me my whole life like you're a dirty, rotten sinner, yada. Do you know that that implies that you were destined to manifest the glory of God? If you fell short of the glory, it actually means that you were destined to manifest it. And then the religious mind says, well, you can't even touch the glory. That's correct if you are not sanctified and you've not renewed your mind by the washing of the water of the Word and intimacy with the Father. But if you have, you're completely new, and as He is in this world, so are you. The Bible says you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How righteous is God? Pretty righteous? Is there any lack in God? Well, the Bible says, You, I, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, this issue of my placement and my being seated in Christ in heavenly places makes all the difference in the world. The Old Testament, the entire Old Covenant was written to prove to us that you cannot make yourself right by yourself, it's a bloody covenant. That actually had a measure of glory. Oh my goodness, the old covenant. They had miraculous manna day and night. They had quail. Water came out of a rock. Their clothes didn't wear out. I mean a million people in the desert for 40 years. God was all over them. And they were stubborn. And they were rebellious. And they almost never got it right. And, that's an, and Corinthians talks about an old covenant that leads to death. It had a measure of glory even on that. So much so that when he ascended the hill of the Lord, when he went into the fire and the smoke and the cloud of his presence, he came out glowing like a light bulb in an old covenant that led to death. But we're in a new covenant that leads to life and much glory. How much more glory should be on our life? We said, people say, oh, the supernatural ain't ain't for today. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. What are you smoking? (laughs) You kidding me? Supernatural is not for today. The church was birthed in the supernatural. The church is sustained in the supernatural. And the church will thrive forward into the future through the supernatural. You will never separate the gospel from miracles, signs, and wonders. You will also never separate the gospel from righteousness, holiness, and the manifestation of God's presence in every area of your life. It's time that the church mature and come to this understanding that we need all of it. Oh my goodness, I feel like there's hunger in this room. You guys are provoking me. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I feel the Lord in this place. Let's read the passage real quick because I'm just not going to get to it. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. And if, if I'm talking, speaking, and there are questions that pop up and rise up, write them down and we'll, we'll cover them at the end. It'll just be easier that way and we'll stay in flow. So 2 Corinthians 5, starting at 16. This is ba- the, the basis of... If any man be in Christ or any anyone be in Christ, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Let's say it again. Reconciliation. So we've been given a ministry of reconciliation in the new covenant. This is of utmost importance. This is you, this is paramount. You have to understand this because there's a new covenant and there's like tracks and there's rails that we run on and the rails must look like reconciliation. It, it, it's not condemnation anymore because God has spoken through His Son Jesus Christ in many ways and through many prophets and in many methods in seasons past. He spoke through the prophets but in these last days He's spoken through His Son Jesus Christ. It does not mean that the prophetic is done away with it just means that a greater revelation of the spirit of prophecy which is the testimony of Jesus has been released to mankind so ever everything that looks like prophecy looks like reconciliation does this make sense it doesn't look like guilt shame and condemnation it looks like righteousness peace and joy in the holy ghost it looks like power love and a sound mind if guilt shame and condemnation is coming off on you as the prophetic is being released i would propose to you that it's false prophecy but if it looks like power love and a sound mind it might be the lord if it looks like righteousness peace and joy in the holy ghost It's something else. I feel the Lord in this place. You guys all right? So we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Man, this is crazy. God was in Jesus. I was, like, my whole life, I just thought God and Jesus were, like, wrestling with each other. And Jesus won. And I was excited that Jesus won. But I'll tell you a secret. When I was actually living in legalism <laughs> at a certain season in my life. You know, I know none of us have ever done that. Um, but I was miserable, and I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I was, I was living by a strict, you know, I got to get up, and I got to spend this much time in the Word, and then after I spend this much time in the Word, I'm going to pray for this long. And that was what I was basing my whole walk with Jesus on, because I didn't know anything about what He actually came to do. In that season of my life, I sided more with my understanding of an Old Testament God, and I, I sided more with judgment and fire and brimstone because I didn't actually understand that God was in Jesus. I actually would I would look at things that Jesus would do and be, man, Jesus is kind of a softy. I didn't actually care for Jesus. <laughs> I know that's very very bad, but a lot of people do it. People are scared to say that they do it. People look at, like, I don't know. And particularly if you're a justice burnt, bent. Prophetic person? I know there's no justice-bent prophetic people, right? That's all the prophetic people, right? (laughs) This is wrong, it must be right. But sometimes you can look at mercy and you can look at it as weakness, but the Bible talks about how mercy triumphs over judgment in this day and age. Because actually the justice of God looks like Christ nailed to a tree because in one act of death and sacrificial life laid down, it opens the gate wide for all of humanity to now enter in. It's a good, good thing. I'm going to preach myself happy in here. But I sided more with this idea of God that He was angry and that He was looking to pour out wrath and the reality is that the the statement of Jesus is the statement of God and they're one. And the Spirit bears witness that it was. But it says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing the trespasses to them and He's committed to us uh, the word of reconciliation. So, When I said earlier, God saved you to himself, for himself, by himself. That's what I'm saying. It had less to do with you than you realize. And so much emphasis oftentimes is placed on your end of the bargain. And there is so much freedom. There is so much liberation that can be found in resting in the finished work of the cross. It doesn't mean that it requires nothing of you. It just requires your yes and amen and you to stop getting in the way of what Jesus already accomplished several thousand years ago. Because if I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and as he is in this world, so are we. And actually the Bible talks about how, you know, everything happened in the atonement. Everything actually happened in the sacrificial death of Jesus, as he is. So baptism, right, is a picture of death, burial, and resurrection. So that as Christ was crucified, you were actually crucified with him several thousand years ago. If you made him your Lord and Savior. So then the enemy, the liar, would come to you and and try to convince you that you're actually cut from a different cloth, that you actually don't mirror actually Christ in this earth, and you'll actually spend your time fighting things that have already been dead for a long time. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're dead indeed to sin, but alive to Christ. Is that true? Is God a liar? No, he's not. So when the devil comes to convince you that you're in bondage to something that the Bible says Jesus set you free from, what is the greater truth? Now people are like, oh man. Well, it's not that simple. It is that simple. The Bible talks about endurance a whole lot. And sometimes we're like, we just got to fight and just got to get through this. No, you got to fight the good fight of faith. You got to actually war with the word. You actually got to know what's in the Bible so when the liar comes, just like he came to Jesus in the wilderness, just like he came to Adam and Eve in the garden. Did he really say that? if you do this then I'll give you what you already have by your birthright that's what the devil did to Jesus you think he won't do it to you don't be <laughs> you're like oh man some of you came here exhausted this morning cuz the devil been wearing you out about something you've been fighting something that's actually you know like there are certain battles in in wars and even in the Civil War that people continued to fight like the the, the battle had already ended But the messenger got there late and they had been fighting needlessly for days and sometimes even weeks past it. Do you know that's happening like crazy in the body of Christ? Maybe you need to fight the good fight of faith and that looks more like, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Seated with him in heavenly places, Shabbat. You guys all right? Oh, he's good. So if we're in Christ, we're new creation, we're new creatures. Um, But then that positions us a different way and now in verse 20 it says now then because of what christ has already done that now makes us an ambassador oh my gosh i'm an ambassador for christ as though god were pleading through us so the same way that god was in christ reconciling the world to himself jesus is now in every believer reconciling the world to himself and we are now the sacrificial lambs if you will as he is in this world greater love has no man than he lay down his life for his brothers and sisters It's not always about miracles, signs, and wonders. Those will happen. Jesus did all of them. Jesus turned the water into wine. Jesus uh, multiplied food. He walked on water. He levitated. He raised the dead. You name it. Jesus came to say, hey, the pre-existing rules that were here before don't exist anymore because I'm Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And if you know me, the impossible becomes possible, not because you've got it figured out, because I hold the keys to everything. Oh, man. hmm But we're ambassadors for Christ. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So this ministry of reconciliation, the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy, is that God is looking to redeem mankind to Himself. And when we understand that, we, we get less consumed and we get less concerned with, do I prophesy good? Or I, do I know how to actually like lead somebody to the, do I lead so many people to the Lord a day? Jesus said, I only do what I see the father doing and I only say what I hear him saying. You need to stop gauging your success in the Christian life based off of your neighbor. That was good, Justin. Amen. Hallelujah, brother. And you need to start basing it on, did you do what he asked you to do? And did you say what he asked you to say? Because you can't do, like the mandate that's on this woman's life is not the mandate that's on your life. And she, you can't live vicariously through her. And I'm not saying you do, but you could say that for any other person. Most of us, we believe we have, you know, the Bible says our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for tearing down strongholds, high thoughts, vain imaginations that have exalted themselves above the knowledge of God, and then bringing them into submission to the mind of christ bringing them captive the subject to what jesus says about you and most people would say pride is really bad yeah like they take out pride i've been in ministry for a very long time and what i found is actually very few people are prideful a lot of people hate themselves on the inside a lot of people get real down on themselves and a lot of people think so low of themselves that they will never dare to step into the destiny that god had called them out for such a time as this so a high thought would be a vain imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. It could be pride, but more likely it's low thinking that exists inside your life that says, I can't do what Jesus already empowered me to do. So you are now putting the Holy Spirit in chains inside of you because you, as a believer, refuse to believe the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. Oh man, Justin, I felt liberated and now I feel convicted. The gospel will do both at the same time. When he comes, he'll convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin has already been judged in the person of Jesus on the cross. That's why what you do with Jesus matters. Like like, it's judged, it's already been dealt with in Christ if you are crucified with him and raised to walk in newness of life. This is a gospel, people. It's a, Sin, ha, you know, sin righteous, righteousness, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus if you died with him when he died and you were raised with him. And Judgment. That the ruler of this world has already been judged. That, that you are fighting a defeated foe. That warfare looks like I'm going to sit in heavenly places with Jesus and just enjoy my life. It doesn't mean that you won't come against powers and principalities. It looks like they're already defeated. They're already cut off, dried up, and being thrown into the fire. And all that I have to do is occupy until he comes. Hmm, man. And all of a sudden, I'm not so scared of what's going on in the dark. I'm not so scared about demons and devils and principalities and powers because at 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 worst if i come across a demon possessed person i just cast that devil out and introduce him to jesus right everybody's worried about secret societies and wickedness in high places well wickedness in high places just falls much more gloriously than in low places (laughs) give me oh my goodness who do you say that I am? Well, some say you're this. Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're a great. No, no. Who do you say that I am? Well, I say you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Simon Bar- for flesh and blood has not revealed to- this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Oh, my goodness gracious. Love that. We quote it all day long. Have you ever watched like Braveheart or like Lord of the Rings or seen like an epic battle sequence in a movie? Okay, you ever see anybody on the battlefield and they got gates in their hand? Do you know that gates are not an offensive weapon? Right. Have you ever seen a picture of a warrior and he's like, I got a gate in my hand. Do you know how dumb that would be? Because a gate is not an offensive weapon. Do you know what a gate has to do to prevail? A gate has to keep the people on the outside out and the people on the inside in. So if Jesus is saying to him, this revelation that I am the Christ the son of the living God is the foundation of church and a uh, foundation of the church and I will build my church on this and the gates of hell won't prevail. It looks like sons and daughters of the living God with knowledge of Jesus Christ inside of them are no longer afraid to run headlong into the gates of hell, kick it open and set the captives free. Your destiny is to empty hell and fill heaven. And the devil's been preaching in too many churches telling you that you should be afraid to go do these things or it might get off on you. And we've called fear wisdom and wisdom fear and we don't know the difference anymore. And we've become so, so wise and so dignified that we don't do what we were actually called to do. I'm telling you the greatest glory, the greatest miracles, the greatest exploits is on the other side of where you refuse to go. The miracles, signs and wonders actually really aren't for the church as much as they are for the out there. For this main street over here, and these side streets, in this side of town, and that side of town. The kingdom doesn't just come in like one area of town. When the kingdom comes, the kingdom comes. The captives get set free, and I got news for you. In every area, in every borough, and every city, and every town, there are strongholds, and they all bowed in the name of Jesus every single time. But if you know who you are, then you're not so concerned about what the devil's throwing at you, because you know that greater is he that's in me, than he that's in the world. You guys, all right. I'm having fun preaching to you, but we're ambassadors for Christ. And now then, as ambassadors for Christ, uh, we will minister as though God is pleading through you. You are actually the love letter to the, you know, you may be the only Jesus some will ever see. Well, what does that Jesus look like, right? That's a scary thought sometimes. Oh man. And because of this, there's been this exponential release of power. Like, Your identity is not that you do great works. Because of who you are, you will do great works. By association with Christ, because he is the son of God, and all of a sudden, the nature of the Godhead actually, uh, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in Christ Jesus, and the Bible says, as he is in this world, so are we. So the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily inside of us. Justin, that sounds heretical. No, it's actually the gospel. To say that I'm actually the righteousness of God, it doesn't just say like, A high level of righteousness it says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and the only issue is what will you do with the person of Jesus Christ it's always that even in the prophetic people get it twisted and they get a little confused and people ask me all the time I want to know about the the revelatory giftings well do you know that the spirit of wisdom and revelation are always revealing Christ and as we look into Christ in a greater degree revelation looks like the person of Jesus unfolding to you in dimensions that you've never seen before Do you understand this? It's actually not mystical, angelic encounters always. It's actually not being called into the heavens. Those things happen. They still happen very frequently. I've had all of them happen. I could tell you stories about that. But I'm not commissioned to go and tell my angel stories. I'm commissioned to go and preach the gospel of the kingdom to the the ends of the earth. Signs, wonders, and miracles following, and people will give their lives to Jesus, and then revival hits the earth. And we have to be aware that the purpose of those things is to lead people to Jesus. And if it's not leading people to Jesus, then maybe our prophetic ministry is skewed the wrong direction. But the purpose of the revelatory gifts is to reveal Christ to the world around them. Why did you have the encounter? Why did the angel stick the coal to your lips? It's to to glorify Christ or to speak of Him in some type or shadow. You guys all right with this? I'm not trying to get too deep, too quick. But I am. I'm lying. I'm not telling the truth right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. That's a wild, wild, preposterous idea. That Jesus actually became sin. He actually bore in his body and dealt with it because we couldn't. You know that you're not so wicked that you can't undo that, do you? Because some people feel like they're in this perpetual hamster wheel of, "I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence with God and I actually don't know. But in one act, Jesus put to death everything the devil was trying to do in your life. And if you spend all of your time trying to do for yourself what Jesus already did for you, you have actually... Uh, begin to operate in a high thought or a vain imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Because what God knows about you is that you are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. So it is confusing <laughs> from heaven's standpoint for us to ask for victory from things that we have already been set free from. Some people are like, you're, you're really trying to overthink it a little bit. You're like, oh, but, this, but this wars with this, and this wars with this. I promise you, as you dive the depths of Scripture, you will find that God accomplished it by himself. If you read through the passages dealing with sanctification, dealing with righteousness, dealing with your salvation, you will see that he did it by himself. It is, it is comical how many times that he by, himself, he by himself, he by himself, he by himself, he by himself, like count it. It's excessive. Very little. All you have to do is say yes and amen. <laughs> Can we pray really quick? Is that okay? Just close your eyes. Just go to like, let's go into receive mode with the Lord real quick. So Lord, we just thank you that you just actually laid a lot on us, and we're down with that. That's cool. That's awesome. We thank you that we have the capacity to receive, ingest, digest, process all that you're doing inside of us. So right now, I actually, even some of you, as I was speaking, and as I was declaring this thing, you actually would begin to feel. Sometimes it's like a, it feels like a knot in your chest or in your stomach or like a sharp pain in your head that is actually, it's like a physical warring with this idea that that can't be true. That can't be true. That's too good to be true. But it's actually the gospel of the kingdom. It's actually the gospel of reconciliation. It's actually the entire reason Jesus came to this earth was to set you free, to liberate you. And I'm telling you right now, in this moment, the Lord wants to do a corporate thing that will set you free in your thinking, that will set you free in your demonstration, and cause your declaration to look a lot different than it has. So if any of those things were you, nobody's looking around, nobody's paying attention, there is not a camera on that I'm aware of, um, and and you felt some of those things as some of these ideas came up, and you're like, that's too good to be true, make yourself known real quick, raise a hand, because I want to pray for you, and I really believe that the Lord's going to deliver some people in here right now from some ideas. So wherever that issue was, if it was head, heart, stomach, or anything like that, just put your hand there. And right now, God's going to release healing and deliverance over people. And it's just high thoughts. It's not like deliverance isn't a bad word. Deliverance is your best friend you can run freely and unhindered. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I command every lying spirit to leave this place in the name of Jesus. I declare liberty, I declare freedom, and I declare breakthrough right now. I declare a baptism of the mind of Christ, and I declare that accusation, guilt, and shame, they must go in the name of Jesus. For like two of you, every time I was talking, you went back to like when you were a child, you heard a preacher say something that scared you to death and like it even has like interwoven itself into your salvation and your Christian story, and you've been living out of obligation and fear and not out of overflow, I break that assignment off of your life right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come wash over them with waves of your presence right now? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. For those of you that raised your hand and it's actually physical like anxiety, like clinical anxiety that has hit you, I, I, I bind that lying spirit in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That peace that passes understanding. Prince of peace, come and set yourself up inside of them. Every room, every room, even the places that we haven't given you, we say yes, we say amen right now in the name of Jesus. For those who can't rest and those who can't sleep, the Lord is about to give you sweet sleep and he's about to give you sweet rest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Everybody keep your eyes closed, but raise your hands. Holy Spirit, just move through this place right now. We thank you for who we are and you and what we have access to by the blood and body of Jesus Christ. Would you move powerfully and deeply in the lives of these people right now? I thank you, God, that you're so faithful to accomplish these things by your word. Hallelujah. I even just speak to reflux and and digestion issues that are connected to this. And I don't believe that every physical ailment is connected to a lie, but a lot of them are. And who the sun sets free is free indeed, my friend. So I speak freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen Amen and amen. I'm going to give you like 10 minutes. Sound good? And then we'll jump into the next one. Yeah, 10 minutes. And then you can use the restroom, get some coffee, do what you need to do. And uh, yeah, I, thank you for paying attention. This is going to be fun. We're just, we're just digging in. And then we'll have a lot of fun. And remember, write your questions down for the end. I want to answer them. And I'm not afraid of questions. Um, uh, so, so don't be afraid to ask me what you really want and not what you think you need to ask me just because we're in church. Um, so ask the real ones. And uh, have fun. Yeah.
0: Um, You guys, if you want to grab a refreshment, there's some right over there in the corner by the coffee. You can feel free to um, help yourself to that right now.
1: So we talked a little bit. I was Southern Baptist for 20-odd years. I was sovereignly filled with the Holy Spirit in a Baptist church. I was at the altar one morning, and I was uh, laying before the Lord, and boom, got a prayer language, and God didn't do that, and that wasn't supposed to happen, but it did, and there I was. And uh, I quickly got the left foot of fellowship within that arena that I was in, <laughs> meaning they didn't want what that was. And uh, anyways, I was uh, there was a lovely, uh, charismatic uh, female pastor in East Tennessee, believe it or not, it wasn't a thing that happened Uh, in in that time, and she took me under her wing, and she discipled me when no man would stand up and mentor me. Uh, God gave me a spiritual mama instead, so I I love and I affirm women in pastoral leadership and all forms of leadership, so I, I just, yeah, praise God for that. We wouldn't know about Jesus raising from the dead if there were no female ministers, and... Every prayer meeting that I've ever been to would be empty if there were no women in ministry. And I wouldn't know what I know about the Bible because of being trained in Sunday school if it weren't for women in ministry. So I'm ready to see the acts taken to the root of that lie. I'm done. I'm off the soapbox. I'm off the soapbox. But I think men are powerful and anointed too, but women are also. Uh, I got a couple of core messages. Um, how many of you love prophetic ministry? If you catch on, you might get free stuff if you get more excited. I'm just so there we go. All right. Automatic engagement right here. So uh, prophetic ministry is fantastic, but it's also super challenging because God will tell you the end from the beginning and he won't tell you the stuff in the middle sometimes. So he's like, oh, you're going to go to nations. You're going to do this. You're going to have a business. You're going to whatever. And then you get that word and you're like, yeah. And then all you know what breaks loose in your life. And you're like, I thought, God, this was supposed to happen. Because the reality of the prophetic is that the prophetic word over your life will test you. And the devil will come to try and convince you that what God said he will not accomplish. And the truth is that God causes everything to work out for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So I have a message called the in-between. And it's what do I do with my prophetic word when I haven't seen the manifestation of it? And everything he said seems a million miles away. Five years ago, I was shingling roofs, digging ditches, and building houses. And today I travel the entire world preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah. I've had those words for more than 10 years, but somewhere in the middle of digging those ditches and building those walls and putting those shingles on, you know, nothing wrong with those things, but when, you're, when you know that you have a destiny and you're in the middle of something else, maybe you're making tents when you know you're supposed to be the father of a nation or something like that, it don't feel so great. So uh, in this message, I talk about how actually what you do in the in-between is what what actually builds the character and internal stability to steward the glory that the Lord aims to pour out of you by way of the prophetic promise. So this is back there. I've got it. These are DVD, CD, and then I have drop cards too. If you see the cards, you can get a password and download it to your computer and put it on your devices. It's both uh, audio and visual. It's cheaper to do that, but some people like to hold a DVD. I'm going to give it to you because you came. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll give you one too. I'm sorry. I totally messed. You get the next one. You get the next one. That was cruel. I'm sorry. She just, she was like, she's like, I want it. I want it. I want it. You got the next one. You got the next one. So another thing too, when I started uh, with Global, um, they came to me and they said, hey, if you could summarize one of the most consistent things that you've seen um, breakthrough with in ministry, um, what would that be? And I, I took some time and I was like, Lord, what is it? And I started just practically assessing, have you ever thought that the thing that you were called to do and most, like you, are like, I'm really profound at this, and then you go to do it, and then people tell you you're not actually that good at that, you're good at this instead, and the thing that you're really good at is a thing you don't really care for? <laughs> Am I the only one? Some of you are, like, really upset because you're like, oh, my whole life, I really wanted to do this, and God's like, that's not what I called you to do. I called you to do this thing, and you're like, I don't even like those people, and you're like, oh, man, uh-oh. Have you ever, yeah, that's a true story. So... One of the things that I found out by default is that everywhere that I've gone since I started ministry, people get radically delivered of fear and severe anxiety, panic attacks, and like crazy stuff. And there is a spirit called fear that is vying for your attention in this day and age. But there is a God who is love, who has already answered the problem uh, to fear. And your birthright and your destiny doesn't look like fear. And it doesn't look like this is something I have to deal with. This looks like something that God is love. And he's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. So I I put together a series of conferences. The conference is called Dauntless. What would it look like if you were fearless? If you were dauntless? If you were able to run headlong into the thing that you were scared to death of? What if every time you dreamed with God, there wasn't that but what if thing on the other side of it? And uh, we created a conference that deals with uh, identity, uh, systematically breaking down who you are in Christ and what you have access to. And I, I believe you need to know that. Secondary, I believe that every believer not only has one but multiple encounters with the Holy Spirit, a radical um, baptism in the Holy Spirit there aren't just, There's not just one baptism in, in Scripture There's seven that are listed But there's baptism by water There's baptism by fire There's baptism by the Spirit of God And I firmly believe And we at Global Awakening believe That there are multiple baptisms of power in your life Multiple levels to encounter the God I don't care, encounter God I don't care what you've experienced thus far I'm telling you, there's more uh, There's the most important prayer you can pray Is more Lord <laughs> You know And you don't have to have a PhD to do that. I can say, more, Lord. There you go. And uh, anyway, so we, we hit identity. We believe in power and counters, baptism, and that. And then there is a commission. You don't receive radical power in baptism just to make you feel warm and fuzzy and to shake and to shata and to roll and to quake on the ground. You receive radical power because there is a lost and dying world out there that needs to hear the good news of the gospel of the kingdom with signs following every believer. You know, these signs will follow the believer. They'll heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, heal the sick, tell them the kingdom's at hand, right? I got them disoriented there, but you'll do all that stuff in some order, and it'll be good. So I'm going to give this to you because I totally messed you up earlier. It's yours. It's yours. But if you're interested in that or if you want to, if you know somebody that's actually had that, I'm telling you, we have had um, all sorts of crazy, like clinical anxiety, panic attacks. All manners of fear manifesting in people's physical bodies, boom, leave. I don't even have to have faith for it. Like That's the level. That's not an arrogant statement. I just have history with the Lord. And sometimes you'll find things that you're like, hey, oh, this is going on. I don't even have to pray about it. I know God wants to deal with it because he already spoke through his son, Jesus. So let's go. And I believe now the spirit of fear is going to bow to the name of Jesus in 2019. And that's not a condemning statement where if you have been crippled with anxiety and fear, it doesn't mean you're condemned. It doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It just means that God has a better option for you uh, than than some of the other stuff that's out there. Amen? God doesn't look at anxiety and scratch his head like he doesn't know what to do with it. I'll leave that alone. And we'll, yeah, you guys good? Let's pray to make it legal. Is that okay? (laughs) Help us, Lord. Thank you so much for your word. I ask that you would continue to move and ebb and flow as we uh, break into this thing. Lord, I, I ask Holy Spirit, you just visit us that you just crash in, that you would just come and fill this place in a greater degree, that every way that we can respond and receive you, that we would, God, we love you, we love you, we love you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> we love you, we love you, we love you, Holy Spirit. Would you come near to us in this place? Would you crash in? Would this be like a suddenly time? Uh, where you, uh, yeah, where you pivot us, uh, where you pivot us, where you pivot us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen amen and amen. So we're going to go into intimacy. We talked about identity. You're going to find that I'm not a very great bullet point preacher. I'm just very flowy. Uh, I'm very revelatory. So you will find that I'm talking about identity in the intimacy time and intimacy in the identity time because they are one and the same. You are created uh, to have communion with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When Jesus died on the cross, uh, the, the veil was rent from top to bottom. That thing that was four foot thick that no man could do, God did it by himself, uh, making a way to the holy of holies. And that's a, that's a big deal. In the old covenant, the priests, they had to tie bells to the bottom of their apparel, and they had to tie a rope around their foot. These people lived in a level of consecration and holiness that we don't even understand. And uh, there were, if they even had a hint of sin, when they would go into the presence of the Lord one day a year, if they had it, they would drop dead in the presence of God. Their friends would have to drag them out with a rope. And they were walking in the fear and admonition of the Lord, and they were, they were ready for it. But in this new covenant, this new covenant that's not leading to death but much glory, we can now boldly come before the throne of grace. You know, you look, even the pictures of the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, the seat is the mercy seat where the sprinkling of blood was. Jesus has forever sat down at the right hand of the Father on the mercy seat. And now the ark of His presence is actually right here. It's you and I. You guys all right? I'm telling you, that changes the whole game. Woo! <laughs> Help me, Lord. I might get messed up. If I get messed up, it's all you. I'm sorry. You know, like, I'm going to try not to, but it's happened at least five times before. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jesus. We will. Yeah, the thing is, we ask him to come, and then he just comes. Yeah, you okay. know, so you got to be really careful <laughs> in the prayers that you pray. Woo! Come, Lord Jesus. And if, <laughs> in the middle of my teaching or in the middle of whatever is going on, you're like, I feel unusual. <laughs> I feel really hot. <laughs> feel really happy. Really joyful. It might be on a few of you right now. I'm just looking at you. I'm not, I'm not blaming you. It's okay. You're, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And when he crashes in, he crashes in. And, like, you know, God doesn't learn anything when I preach. <laughs> not at all. I heard somebody say this. You know, God's not impressed when you preach and you get a message. He's not like taking notes, <laughs> he's just waiting for you to shut up so he can come in and do what he came to do. So sometimes it's like, hey, Justin, you were done 10 minutes ago. Stop talking. I'm ready. So if that begins to happen, if you start to feel like electricity coursing through your body, I don't know if you know that, that's the Holy Spirit. If you begin to weep uncontrollably, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit of God moving on you. If you begin to feel joy bubble up from a place that you didn't know existed, that's the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of ways. And if as I'm speaking that begins to happen, I in no way, shape, or form want you to restrict that. I want you to let it happen. I promise it's okay. And you will not be made an example out of. Um, We're going to let the Lord do what He wants to do. And I promise you, It'll be good. Is that cool? We got a deal? And I'm going to try to keep my composure as much as I can, but I might get a little giggly. Hallelujah. <laughs> First John 4:12 through 16. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He is in us because He has given of us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed that the love that God has for us, God is love. And He who abides in love abides in God and God in Him. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's really simple. The gospel is so much more simple than we've made it. We want to talk about spiritual pedigrees and hierarchies and greater realms of glory and this, that, and the other. But there is no greater realm of glory than abiding in Christ and sitting next to the Father. And as you sit in the presence of God, everything that you need is right there. People get confused. And if you were to poll this room and you say, what does revival look like? Some people would say it's an awakening to prayer and intercession. And the saints crying out for a move of God. And you go to the other side of the room and say it's a healing a healing awakening. People on the streets moving and healing. You could ask somebody else to say prophecy is going to bubble up. You could say somewhere else miracles, signs and wonders. Ask other people, they would say evangelism. That's what revival is. But when the king comes, all of the kingdom comes with him. So we are not looking for an attribute or a singular character trait of the Godhead. We want the fullness of the Godhead who dwelt bodily in Jesus Christ to manifest His tangible presence here and now. I am not looking for a visitation. I am looking for a habitation. The language has existed for a long time. I'm going to give you a crude illustration that's a really good one, and it's not original to me. I stole it from somebody because it was really funny. Who's got a mother-in-law in in the room? Everybody laughs. Why are you laughing? (laughs) You got a mother-in-law in in the room. Let's just say, for instance, you are, you're talking with your mother-in-law. They're like, oh, and she's like, hey, so for instance, mine, Janet's like, hey, I gotta get my house fumigated in about a month. Uh, They gotta, they gotta do the whole thing. I gotta leave everything. Can I stay with you guys for, you know, five days while they fumigate the house? I'm like, sure, that's great. So we clean the house. Everything that's seen, not you know, there's places that people don't go, so you ain't got to clean that, right? We clean the guest room, make sure everything's there. There's that one closet in the house where you just shove everything in it, you shoulder it and close it, and you're like, please God, don't let anybody open that door. You get enough food for the five days, you make sure everything's gonna be the way it is, and you have mentally prepared yourself for a five-day visit from your mother-in-law. You there in your mind yet? You need to. Some of you are like gonna need another deliverance after this session. There's more. <laughs> you come and you're about day four and she comes to you in the breakfast is like, you know what, I'm having such a good time. I was actually thinking, hey, I'm going to stay for another five days. And you're like, that would be great. <laughs> Eye starts to twitch a little bit, sinking feeling in your stomach. And then you quickly realize that this visitation has turned into a habitation and you did not make the proper arrangements for a long-term visit. A lot of people do that with God a lot of people do it with weekends and conferences and renewals and awakenings they say God I'm gonna I'm gonna clean my house the parts that you see for this weekend I'm gonna pray enough to make it through this weekend I'm gonna fast enough to get here and then God comes and he visits but the nature of God is he didn't look to pour out his spirit with measure he looked to pour out his spirit without measure what would it look like if God turned a visitation in your life into a habitation have you made the provisions in your life? Have you prayed accurately? Have you lived a life that is actually lending itself to that being a good thing in your life? Or would the consuming fire of His presence actually burn up a lot of stuff that you didn't take care of before He got there? Oh, Justin, that was funny for a minute. Now I feel mildly convicted. I told you. <laughs> jesus comes to us he's got a sword in his hand and he looks at our face and he's like i love you so much and jesus you know you want to come to jesus he touches the sword to your chest he says come here you know <laughs> the only way to get closer is to let him pierce your heart i stole that from bill he's got a lot of good ones there but what would it look like if jesus is calling you closer but some things inside of you have to die What if we've settled for visitations? And we have facilitated our lives and our ministry paradigms and this, that, and the other based around visitation. We're like, God, this would be great if you just come for a little bit and meet my needs and come on my schedule. And and I don't want it to be too inconvenient. I don't want to stay too late at a meeting. I don't want to have to get there too early. I don't want to have to change my schedule to accommodate you. But the very model that we were given in the old covenant was a tent to chase a cloud by day and fire by night. And wherever the cloud was, I would propose to you... That the throne of God is still mobile. (laughs) You look at it, there's wheels all around. It's not like seated in one location. So wherever God is, the goal is that we go where he is. What if our visitations need to look like habitations? What would that look like? Are you guys all right? I really feel like the Lord is calling us to a deeper place but I go, like I said, I, I teach these schools and people want to know about the gifts and they want to know about all this. Thing. There's nothing wrong with that. You should earnestly desire to, to move in prophecy and all the spiritual gifts. You need to do that. If God has given me something, I want to know what it is and I want to have it. I'm not anti-benefits. Don't forget the benefits, right? Some people are like, I just want, you know, I just want just enough. I don't want just enough. I want everything that God has for me. And then some. And I, that's okay. It's not like, so, it's not super righteous to say, I just want enough. Because I don't know if you know this, but he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. When he multiplied the fish and the loaves, there were extra baskets left over. And some people would have probably said, well, that's wasteful, Jesus.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> Why would you do such a thing? Because he can do it. It ain't hurting him. The first miracle that Jesus performed was a needless miracle. He turned that perfectly good water into wine, and we've been trying to change it back ever since. <laughs> I'm messing with you guys right now. He gave it to people that were probably, I don't know if you study like the feasts and the weddings, they were probably okay before he made the new wine and <laughs> gave it to them. They didn't need more. Like the miracle at Cana was a needless miracle to celebrate covenant. God is all about needless things. We always look from a lack perspective because we've been trained by the God of this age and by the prince of the power of the air and think that everything is lack-oriented. I'm telling you, God will take his finger to every area of your life that is lack-oriented and fear-oriented and rational. You know that, like the idea for a rational thought is that there is a limited amount of resources, and based off of these limited amount of resources, there is enough for me to have this much, and me to have this much, and me to have this much. But God is not rational. Because he can speak, and out of nothing, everything is. Everything that we see came from nothing. It came from the heart of God. So he doesn't understand lack. He doesn't understand the absence of the thing. Like, he doesn't even, like, problems don't make sense to him. He's like, what do you want? If you ask in faith, believing, the problem is we're praying problem-oriented prayers at God. He's like, I told you to go and occupy till I come. Why don't you throw a solution at me and I can work with that? He didn't even command us to pray for the sick. He commands us to heal the sick. I'm for prayer, yeah. To heal the sick. What? (laughs) What? I don't know how to do that. Exactly. He doesn't ask you to do anything you're capable of doing. Ever. He doesn't do it. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Love your neighbor. I can't do that. Exactly. <laughs> that's impossible. And we look at those miracles and sometimes we disassociate and we say... Miracle signs and wonders supernatural over here and we look at the tenets of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control and we think that there's no supernatural element to these and it's only here, but this is to model that this is possible. Does that make sense to you? Because for some of you, you would say, oh man, if there was a dead body in here and we were having a funeral service, you say that body will get up and live before this marriage can be saved or that body could stand up and have life in it before this relationship could be rectified. I know that's nobody in here. I'm just preaching to somebody else. Maybe the people out in the street, I'm just picking something up from somebody walking by. But the Lord wants to recalibrate your framework for provision and lack, because there is no lack. You lack no good thing in Him. He is not a God of lack, He is the God of abundant provision and excess. And uh, there's, there's so much. He's always wanting to give out more. But there, there are these things, and we, we, we put these lenses on and say, this is supernatural. This is natural, and we try to live out of our own source. And all of a sudden, we know that we can't heal the sick. We know that we can't raise the dead. We know that miracles and signs and wonders are not our own thing that we can do. But somehow, we think we can do this in and of ourselves. And we're a double-minded man is unstable in all of these ways. But if a man's eye is single, his whole body is full of light. So, what if the the gospel of the kingdom, of the good news of the kingdom, begins to captivate you in such a way that everything, the earth, Is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And the last days, the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And the Bible says that Christ, in you, is the hope of glory. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God made a way when there seemed to be no way. And God was in Christ, reconciling the world back to Himself. And now you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And as He is in this world. It's the whole Bible, guys. It is not a powerless gospel. It is a powerful gospel. It's not a, like uh, Corinthians 4.20. It's not just about talk, but it's about power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. It's a sign that something's they will know you by your great love. So are love and power, power and love separate, or are they one and the same? Because if you go into Corinthians and you go 12, 13, 14 and all of the surrounding passage, it lists all the gifts. And people are like, am I, am I, do I have a gift of healing? Do I have a gift of prophecy? Discerning of spirits? What do I have? And the predominant thought is that it doesn't matter what you have. If you don't have love, then it's not going to work out well because you're just going to be making noise because the real power is in the manifestation of reconciliation, which is the ministry that you've been given, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Well, if God is love and there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, then people that get in your presence shouldn't just get healed, but they should get delivered from a spirit of fear. They shouldn't just get saved, but they should get delivered from a spirit of fear. And all of a sudden, it shouldn't just be the absence of fear, but the presence of power, the presence of love, and the presence of a sound mind. And I'm telling you, if the God of this age is coming at anything right now, it's coming against people feeling empowered, it's coming against people feeling loved, and it's coming against people feeling like they have a sound mind. Look at the statistics. It doesn't even take a rocket scientist to figure this self out. People feel disempowered. There are movements all across this nation alone. You, you name it, from for anything from Black Lives Matter to Me Too to this, and I'm not anti-movements, and I'm not anti-things. I think that the earth is groaning for the revelation of the sons and daughters. I think that's what's happening. And every time the earth cries out, it's oftentimes because a son or a daughter is sitting dormant in a place that they should be standing up and being a voice crying out in the wilderness, this is the way, walk in it. That's what I think. But when society and culture don't see the answers in church, they come to their own conclusions and they try this inferior manifestation. But I think the earth is groaning no matter what. But if we had our ear to the ground to actually hear what the Spirit of the Lord was saying, we would have the solutions before the problems manifest. And then all of a sudden, we're not putting out fires our whole entire life. We're just creating solutions and we're building And we're building, and we're building. The church has actually been very guilty for a long period of time at standing on a soapbox and pointing at the rest of the world and telling them what they're doing wrong, all the while hiding sin and indiscrepancies and this, that, and the other in our own life. And they don't want what we don't don't have because we don't have it to begin with. And we don't love them, so they don't hear the message of Jesus in it. They just hear condemnation. But you know, there's one advocate and there's one accuser in the Bible. You know who the advocate is? Jesus is actually pleading on our behalf before the Father. Oh, man, that's crazy. Jesus in the garden was for us. Jesus prayed for us that I would be one with them, they'd be one with me, and we would be in you. Jesus prayed this prayer of this thing that we're living in now. And there's one accuser of the brethren. His name is Satan. If your ministry looks like accusation, I would propose that your father may not be God and may be the devil. What does that mean, Justin? I don't know, but Jesus rebuked the disciples. Straight up. You're whitewashed tombs. You don't even know what you're talking about. You brood of vipers. That's Jesus. I thought we're supposed to be like Jesus. Well, what am I supposed to do? Pick up the woman who was caught in adultery or call my friend's whitewashed tombs? Depends on the day. I'm kidding, but I'm serious. It depends on what spirit you're of because Jesus was confronting not them, but an ideology that they had that somehow that he was wanting to... It was this craziness. Jesus... Kicked and bucked against the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the people entrusted with the law and the words of God. And when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld Him, they were the only people that didn't know who He was. Do you know there were prophets in the Old Testament? Do you know there were encounters in the Old Testament? Do you know that even the children of Israel, do you know that there was never a thing that says only one of you can come up to the mountain? The invitation was extended to the entire company of people and one decided to go up the hill. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Well, only one. The rest of them stood at the front door of their tents and said, well, he can do it. Why would I do it when he could do it for me? Oh, man, that's something. I'm going to drink my coffee right here. I do that Kermit thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you. I appreciate it we got we got a guy that knows what's going on (laughs) Justin what are you talking about I don't know John uh, 1st John 4 17 through 19 says love has been perfected among us in this that we may have what boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involved torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. This, this whole emphasis of, of like, I'm trying to get God's attention will get you spinning in circles for way too long. Like everything that you need to do in your life should be out of overflow because of what he's already done. He chose us before the foundation of the world, that we might be holy, blameless, set apart. Like, a, like, that's what he's looking for. And if that was his intent, you best believe that he's going to get the glory. Can I give you another illustration? Is that okay? I'm just having fun with illustrations. I normally don't give this many illustrations, but you guys are fun. You're pulling it out of me today. Just to combat, like, the works-based, like, i got to try and strive. I'll talk about this in the prophetic later, because there's... Um, some of you mentioned that you'd watch some of the prophetic videos and I address it there, but the difference between false prophecy and, and legit prophecy is actually has less to do with information, more to do with a heart position and actually resting in Christ. Like the, there's a word, a knobby word, which means bubble up prophecy, like the spirit of prophecy bubbling up inside of you like a brook or like a stream or something like that. And the word for false prophecy that counters that means to stir up or to strive or to cook up. So to to prophesy falsely means that I'm working for something that He's aiming to give freely in and through you. Does that make sense? Jesus stood up on the last day of the festival, John seven thirty seven to seven thirty eight, said, "If you believe in me, out from your belly will flow rivers of living water." Right. So it's once again, Jesus is aiming to give you something freely and the devil trying to convince you to work for something that has been given to you as a free gift. It is his M.O. He has not changed it since the beginning of time. The devil is trying to get you to work for what God has already given you so that he can disqualify you for what Christ has qualified you for. Craziness. Rest is how you accomplish things. Isn't it interesting that God does everything that he does and on the seventh day, God rested... And then he commands that you rest. Remember the Sabbath. Remember the rest and keep it holy. If you don't do this, you can't do the other stuff. If God himself rested, you think that you are. Like this, this idea that there is a place of rest and enjoying the finished work of what God... Are you guys okay with tracking with me on this? I'm just, I'm just proposing some ideas. You know, like you can weigh this with the Lord and see if it's right or wrong. am pretty sure I'm tracking with him on this. But there's something of resting and not striving and not working and this overflow causes there to be a purity in our expression. Oh, I love Jesus. Love has been I'm going to read it again. Love has been perfected among us in this that we would have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is in this world so are we. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. There's something that God is wanting to teach us that we can't learn from a distance, that we can't learn with God under a microscope, that we can't, like, I, I am for the study of the word of God. Like, I, I've, I've spent some time in the Bible, and I've, I, I study, and I've gone through courses, and I've sat in countless hours of some of the greatest teachers, I believe, of our time, and I give myself to that. But I am telling you that God is not a subject to be studied in school. He is not a thing under a glass that we can look at from all angles and figure out. He is a person. To be known relationally. God the Father is a person. Jesus is a person. And the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just an anonymous blob floating around somewhere. He is a person with emotions and feelings. And he can be pleased. And he can be displeased. And he can be stifled. And he can be let loose to do whatever he wants to. And I want all of them. I'm tired with the church slicing and dicing the Holy Spirit. Don't don't preach two-thirds of the Godhead to me. I want all of it or nothing. Do you think that it's possible to come to Jesus and reject God the Father and somehow accept the the Godhead? Because I don't think it's possible. Do you think that you can say, I love you, God, I love you, Jesus, but Holy Spirit, you scare me, stay over there. And rejection of the Holy Spirit somehow is, I think, that partial rejection is total rejection, in my opinion. You can throw that away if you want to. But I think that it's time that we have relationship with all three so that we can see wholeness in our lives, so we can see fruitfulness in our lives. And I think any area that we've tried to slice and dice and separate and segregate and keep them in and of themselves because we become gods and we're molding and fashioning God in our image rather than being fashioned and molded in His image. We become puffed up in our way of thinking. Those high thoughts and vain imaginations, they like, it's like a breeding ground for craziness. I'm telling you that the gospel is so simple that the smallest child can understand it and the most educated person on the planet would be confounded by the layers and the depths of glory that are contained therein. But you gotta know him relationally. See, there's a thing that's birthed in kind of North American church recently that we, in ministry, sometimes we glorify transactional ministry. So like I'm connected to a minister or a ministry locally because we're doing a thing together. But when that thing's over, I don't talk to you. I don't know how your family is. I don't know how your kids are. We do it even in the church and we're like, oh, well, I'm at church. Hey, brother, how are you doing? Hey, sister, how are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not below. We know all the stuff to say, right? But at the end of the day, on the inside, I'm actually not doing okay. I hate my life. I'm a little depressed. I'm sad. I'm anxious. And on the other side, that person is the same thing. And you're sitting next to the answer to the problems that you have, but because we're being so prideful and we don't talk to each other, we don't know how to get free from what's binding us. Are you guys all right? What does this have to do with intimacy? If you don't have intimacy with him, you'll never be relationally good. You will hide. Instagram, social media, Facebook. It's made us really good at presenting an image. I'm so good. No filter. Yeah, liars. (laughs) Lies. Wow, you have amazing, perfect skin all the time. Your teeth are so white. Then you ever met somebody that you met on social media first, and you meet them in real life? You're like, woo, Yeah. (laughs) False advertisement. (laughs) I legit would not have known that was you. (laughs) Some of you're like, "Oh, man. I feel convicted. I'm just kidding." <laughs> but have you though? Like we're just very good at presenting maybe, you know, only the best things. You know, you judge yourself generally by your worst days and everybody else by their best days. And the culture that we live in is not helping that at all. Like we're we're presenting like false reality and everybody else is presenting false reality and we're judging our reality based off their false reality. We're thinking, man, I'm so messed up. I need to be, I don't know what's wrong with me. I know I'm not ministering to anybody. I'm going to take another sip of coffee. <laughs> but love covers a multitude of sins. There's love. hmm. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love can look headlong into indiscretions and indiscrepancies and dare I say sin and compromise in your life and still love you through that and into the destiny that's on your life. The body of Christ is actually something that we've been given. You know, a lot of people are like, God, I really need you to speak to me. I really need you to manifest yourself to me. And the reality is that God is trying to do it through the body of Christ, which he placed within at your disposal so that when you find a place where he's not talking to you, it's because he's shoving you towards the body. I, I, confound, I, can't, I can get everything with God. No, you can't. What are you saying, Justin? Hold on. Adam. Walked in the garden with God in the cool of the day, naked and unashamed, priest sinned Sin had not entered the world. Spoke to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And God said, it is not good that man be alone. And he was, it wasn't solely for the purpose of reproduction and sexual gratification. That is not what it was for. It was about relationship and community is what it was about. So there are people sometimes just like, oh, I'm good. A lot of Lone Ranger ministers. I don't know if you've ever come across those types. I've seen a few. I'm good, I don't need to be connected, I don't need a family, I don't need accountability, I'm good, just me and God. Ha, 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 ha. I would li- love to define what God is in your life. Sometimes it's a glorified ego that you just like, well, what, did, what should I do today, me? Yes, I will do that. Nobody in here has ever come across people like that. You guys doing okay? I'm just, I'm just poking, seeing what, what twitches, right? <laughs> but love, if we understand that we're accepted in Him, that he loves us and has made a way for us. And, and we can be vulnerable with him. It actually gives us the opportunity to be vulnerable with other people. Justin, why are you hitting on this? I don't know, I've never actually emphasized this point ever before, but I feel like it's important uh, that some of you may be actually seeking the Lord on an issue. And he said, I refuse to speak to you on that issue because I'm actually pushing you to avail yourself and be vulnerable to maybe some people around you. And maybe actually this, this thing, of pride, these walls of pride that you built around yourself—that everything's okay, and everything's doing fine—I know that I'm. This is not the only person. Like this is ministering to me just a little bit. I feel like I'm undergirding some lies, just little by little. God's looking to set you free from some things. I feel like some, in some cases, it's besetting sin that's been there for a really long time, uh, because you won't put yourself in a position where somebody else can call you on your stuff what does that have to do with intimacy intimacy seems that means that no area of my life is withheld from you and intimacy with god ultimately means that we can be transformed and transparent and naked and unashamed before people like you go through my life with a cube beam and with a magnifying glass and there is nothing that goes on in secret that doesn't go on in public and there's nothing that goes on in public that doesn't go on in secret do you understand what i'm saying but we built ministries and we built platforms and we built these ideologies around. I get up here and I perform. I don't manifest who I am. I perform, I preach good, or I prophesy good. But maybe in my home I'm yelling at my wife and I'm mean to my kids and I'm not a good provider and all of that stuff, but I got a gift. So I'm gonna put my gift on display and then we're like, woo! That gift that comes without repentance looks really good on them. And then we've modeled modes of ministry where somebody uses their gifting and their character is garbage behind closed doors. And then the whole church gravitates around gifting rather than character and the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You guys all right? Because intimacy means that the Lord can put his finger on any area of my life and say, I want that, and I say, yes, Lord. I don't have, you guys all right? It's just layer by layer by layer by layer. He wants to go to the deepest places of your heart. And Bill Johnson says this thing, God will offend your mind to reveal your heart, right? You ever have God come to you and say something? You're like, ah, how dare you say that? Who do you think you are, right? He's Jesus, okay. All right, he can say whatever he wants to, so he probably doesn't need to repent. It probably needs to be me. <laughs> have you guys ever, like, come in contact with that one person? You're like, God, man, they drive me nuts. I hate, they like, they wouldn't say I hate this person, but I hate to be around this person. Is that legal to say? Because you have issues in your heart, you know, like I'm the same way. Oh man. And you're like, God, I just really wish you would change this person. I really wish you would move them from my circumstances because it, it's inconvenient for you, because it stirs them things up inside of you that maybe you don't like to acknowledge, that have maybe been dormant for a little while, and they're just the catalyst that causes them to come to the service and they have an agitating quality about them. I say there's a ministry of agitation, right? He stirs it up so all the stuff can come to the surface and you can be sifted. Praise God for the sifting, right? Praise God for the press. Oil comes out of the press. Wine comes out of the press, but you've got to get squished first. (laughs) The sweetest stuff comes out of the sifting. It's very uncomfortable because it's like he will sift you. He will. But that sifting process feels like everything that's being shaken can be shaken. But it's okay because the kingdom that we're receiving is an eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken. So everything that can be shaken should be shaken and you should get rid of that stuff. I feel like sometimes God is actually assigning people in your life to irritate you, frustrate you, and disappoint you, and they are the tool in the hands of the Lord. I call them sandpaper people, because you've got rough edges, and you're not as short, you know, you're not as smooth as you think you are. And God's like, oh, you, you need about six months with this person, and oftentimes, he'll give you those people after a season in your life, and it's just like, that person reminds me of me six years ago, and oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm the only person, I I know youth pastors that I had to call and be like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Because when I became a youth pastor and I had three of me, I was like, oh God, (laughs) deliver me from this. Oh man, you guys okay with me jumping around, being off topic a little bit? (laughs) But he's the vine, you're the branches, apart from him you can bear no fruit. John 15, 1 through 17, let's read this. Oh man, fun times, fun times. I'm the vine. And my Father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not uh, abide in me is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Let's continue to go on. Verse 9, as the father loved me I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. I want to pause here at verse 11 because uh, we talked about it at dinner last night. There is an epidemic in the body of Christ particularly. I ain't going to talk about the rest of the world. There are problems in the rest of the world, but I'm a preacher. I can talk to the church. Um, and in the church, there is an epidemic of self-centeredness under the guise of anxiety and fear and all sorts of issues. And I'm not condemning you if you have issues with anxiety and fear. But I'm telling you, it is very challenging to be consumed with yourself when your business is a kingdom and you serve uh, those around you, even if it means laying down your life for people. The call of the gospel is take up your cross and follow Him. The call of the gospel is lay your life down your preferences down for the sake of others to come in through this ministry of reconciliation. And if you find yourself as a son or daughter of the living God and your goal is to bring about pleasure and validation and joy in and of yourself, you will not find it because the joy that Jesus has for you is a greater love has no man than he lay down his life for his friends. And what we have in the body of Christ is an epidemic of self-centered Christians that believe that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit Exist to serve them in their current state of being and that is not the case I know that was pretty sharp and a little hard, but it's the truth But what god is saying what jesus is saying these things i've spoken to you that my joy May remain in you that your joy may be full the bible says that for the joy set before him He endured the cross so the joy that is set before you which is many sons and daughters the lamb receiving the reward for his suffering because if he's my king, then my greatest joy in this world, this world is to lay crowns at his feet, and it looks like souls are going to come in, that, that his life was a seed, that unless a seed fall to the ground and die, it dies alone. But if it dies, it produces a harvest. He is the seed that went into the ground, and I am a byproduct of that, and my life will reflect his in that manner. Does this make sense? But if we find ourselves in these systems where we are stuck, measuring our value and our vindication and our validation based off of our neighbor, but actually never getting connected to them to know who they really are and never actually laying our lives down for those around. We will never know the joy that God's given us. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved to you. Greater love is no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Isn't that interesting? Because it's different than a servant. You are my friends if you do this. You are my friends if you do this. The goal is back to the garden where God spoke to him just like a friend. And the greatest compliment that God could give of an individual in the Bible is they were a friend to him. And there was a graduation from slavery to sonship and sonship into friendship. I have a different relationship with my father in my 30s than I did when I was 12. The nature of this Christian walk the nature of this relationship as sons and daughters walking with a father is that, yeah, when we're infants, yes, they change the diapers. They, they bottle feed us. They, they put us down for naps. They do that. They teach us how to walk. They teach us how to talk. They walk us through the different stages of maturity. We get into our teenage years. We feel like we know more than God. And then life has to teach us a few lessons. And pride comes before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. And then sometimes life teaches us things that we wouldn't learn from God. And God's not the author of the negative stuff. We're just too dumb to learn from him. Only one. But then it's the older we get, the smarter our parents get. Most (laughs) cases. It's true. Get into 20s, get in my early 20s and get married. I start to value my parents' opinion a lot more. What should I do with my job? I'm getting married. I don't What am I doing? I have insurance. You're like, yes, no. (laughs) How do you pay for things? Where does all the money go? if i had known this you know like but then you grow and then all of a sudden the, the the natural process is that sons grow into fathers that daughters grow into mothers and they learn they represent in their own families what they saw their parents doing and influence expands and resources come in and things are advanced and you leave a legacy based off of what they planted inside of you and all of a sudden my dad doesn't Tell me what I am to do and what I'm not to do. He already told me that stuff when I was younger. He spent 18 to 20 years instilling that in my life. So now that I'm in my 30s, I know what I'm to do. And now my father is still my father, but he's also my friend. So when I, and I'm, whew, I feel the Lord on this, and some of y'all don't even understand the way the kingdom works. But the Lord wants us to graduate from being sons that have to be reprimanded all the time because all they're worried about is trying to go past the boundary lines and transgress and explore who they are and they know who they are now and they just have to manifest it and now they value the counsel of their father as a friend and now you graduate to this place with the father where he is allowing you to be who you are but it's through friendship with him and i am telling you that the lord is inviting you into a place of friendship where you're still a son and you're still a daughter but you're a mature son and you're a mature daughter And every day, I don't wake up and call my dad and say, what do I do every day? But he's inside of me. You know, like, um, have you ever looked in the mirror and said, oh, my God, I look like my parents? (laughs) Every day, I look at this face in the mirror, and I see Donnie Allen. And I used to hate it. Same thing's happening by the Spirit of God. Every day, you wake up, you look in the mirror, you look more like Jesus than you did yesterday. You've been trying your whole life to make it happen. It's happening by default because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in these mortal bodies. you hearing what I'm saying to you. This is what intimacy looks like. Intimacy looks like what's in you is going to come out of you. <laughs> and the reality is that you are more prone to righteousness than you are to sin and depravity because the nature of the Godhead dwelt bodily inside of Jesus Christ and the nature of the Godhead by default dwells inside of you because Christ in you is the hope of glory. And in the last days, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That same thing Jesus said out from within you will flow rivers of living water. The knowledge of Jesus Christ, the glory of God, will bubble out of you effortlessly as you walk with Him. You guys all right? Put your hands on your head real quick. I'm going to pray over you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Teach us to walk. To boldly go where we haven't gone before, God. (laughs) To walk in new levels of intimacy. To be completely liberated from shame, guilt, and condemnation. And freed into sonship that matures into friendship. That we could be called friends. That we could be called friends. That there would be the law of liberty that guards our hearts. Hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Even go deeper, Lord. Go deeper into the deepest places of our psyche and the deepest places of our spirit, man. Even the deepest places of our soul where there's been trauma, where there's been father wounds, where there's been mother wounds. By your spirit, would you cut those scars out and those tumorous cancers out and allow there to be something holy? Would you place your thumb in those places and make it whole again like it never happened? Hallelujah. We thank you that you are good that you are good, that you are good. Would you captivate us, Father, by your goodness? I ask for a baptism in your spirit, fresh and new, line upon line, precept upon precept, a checkup from the neck up, God, that you would reorder our thoughts, that you would reorder our steps, that we might know the way, the truth, and the life who is a person named Jesus. Bless you in Jesus' name. Let's take another 10, and then we'll go into Q&A again. Is that okay? Is that all right? Is this good? We can track in. Okay, this is fun, and if you need to sit with the Lord, that's okay. Sometimes it's a little deeper than I act like it is. So if you need some time to reflect, do that. But grab coffee, food, go to the bathroom. I must set a timer for 10 minutes. So like
3: 3:16.
2: Place. Yes. You know that can um, impact the way they're prophesying. Yes. So um, what would you say to that? To expound a little bit and to. Um, how would you speak to someone who may have pr- pro- prophetic gifts mm-hmm. and um, speak to how they, they operate from a place of health?
1: Yeah. How do they well, do that? Primary with uh, prophetic types is you have to have relationship. Correction absent from relationship is not going to fly in any connotation. So the church is historically bad about, like, we want to correct and tell people how they should do things but have no investment in their life, and it just doesn't work. So if you love people first and they're not your project and like you're not approaching them for the sake of correcting them, that's number one. Number two is once you're in relationship, you have to gauge how much buy-in you have relationally with them because um, love allows you to speak into somebody's life in a way um, that not loving them doesn't. And people can read that, particularly prophetic people. Um, So love them um, and make sure the relationship is there and make sure that your purpose for bringing it up is the leading of the Lord. Because if you have a gift in operation, like for instance, uh, I think I was having this conversation, somebody was like, um, well, could you prophesy over me? The question isn't, could I prophesy over you? The question is, should I prophesy over you? Because if, like, if I'm a prophet or the office gifts, it's not like a, I don't put my prophet hat on the hook when I go home, Like it stays with me all the time. So like I could point at any one of you and start prophesying over you and it would probably be right and accurate and not necessarily the wrong thing to do but there's a greater reality that says, God wants me to do this in this moment. Jesus only doing what he saw the Father doing, saying what he heard him say. So the ability to exercise a gift does not always justify you doing it. So if you are, um, you know, if you're in a place of leadership, oftentimes you'll get with people and you want to fix them really quick, you know. And the only person, I'm like, oh, oh, wow. It's like, man, this person's jacked up. Let's see, they need to fix this, this, and this. But like really quickly, I can divert away from relationship and into this person is my project. And people can see that. Same way with evangelism, if you're like, oh, would you, you need to ask yourself this with evangelism. If you weren't trying to evangelize them, would you talk to them? Because if, if you walk away from an evangelistic encounter and you can't remember their name, you may not have done it in love. If you're like, oh, I, this person got healed, and you're like, praise God, well, what was their name? I don't know. Well, then you didn't do it in love. Because God knows their name, and he knows their face. He doesn't just care about names on a card or something like that so so relationally it's important that we be present and then um we're in a we're in a hurry a lot of times to fix people quicker than god is and god just like why don't just let them exist within the context of community and i'll iron out the wrinkles um but just remember in those situations that uh for for every time that we go after issues and other people like a lot of times god will highlight them in, in ours so love them really well And uh, model in front of them what you want to see in their life. I think that's kind of a go-to. And if you're in a leadership position uh, with them, then uh, ask the Lord which issues, if any, to go after first. But oftentimes with prophetic types, they already know. And uh, they're just waiting on someone to prove to them um, that people are better than they think they are. If that makes sense. Yeah, it was a great question. Come on, guys. Quit looking. Oh, look over here. Leonard. My bad, I'm sorry. I told him to pick and now I'm picking. Like I'm, I'm just, t- y'all pray for Todd. When I start,
4: when I start talking and start talking about Christ and to different people and, and even in here in different places, I start crying like a baby. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, it's not effective. Okay. Because I, I can't, no. I, I'm not giving out what I want to give. Yes, sir. But I don't control it. Yeah. It's like it just comes over me. So It's a fantastic question. I need I something that. more. I'm, I'm, you know, I've been praying for more boldness. Yeah. And, uh, well, you can tell now I don't have it, so.
1: Yeah. No. You, that is a yeah. that that is a fantastic question. And I'm going to tell you something. Your your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is a tremendous resource. But what you've identified is, is amazing that you've identified it yourself. You don't feel like you're as effective because you're so overwhelmed by the feeling. Um, every... Uh, operation let's say for instance in the fivefold, whether it be evangelist prophet pastor teacher whatever um, they you have strong uh, motivating gifts inside of you well you strike me as like an encourager evangelist so you will have a strong passion to see souls one and the love of God will like consume you Um, but with prophetic types it's oftentimes justice or calling out information or correcting so like that can be my strong thing is like this is wrong I got to fix it so for me it's not love and, you know, it's, it's love in a different direction, but it's not tears. It's like, you got to fix this now, so your life will be in order. And people can't receive the word of the Lord because of the packaging. So with you, I had a, somebody come to me uh, and tell me this. Your gift is a gift, not a curse, you know. So, and your gift is also in subjection to you. And a lot of people in charismatic church don't understand this. But God gives you a gifting and he gives you, but he teaches you also how to harness it like any other thing, whereas you people are afraid that if they if they reel it back it'll disappear and it'll never come back it's the opposite is true that they, it's like take for instance water water can be used to wash dishes wash cars it can be to wash your body but if water is concentrated it can be used like a laser to cut steel so you take your compassion and your love that you have for individuals and you harness it into like that laser-sharp accuracy and in the right moment, the Lord will use it to pierce men's hearts so that they come into the kingdom where you are able to exercise your gift. You don't feel like you're about to explode, um, but you're actually able to do in like a very, does um, this is make sense to you? Because I feel like the Lord is, he does not he's not wanting to put that out. It's actually something he gave you, but there's a way to direct it. But he wants, he's not going to give you like an overnight solution to this because walking this out in process is part of his relationship with you. And part of the process, but I, I really feel like um, you might find that um, sometimes you can be so so an, uh, anointed or gifted in an area that's so predominant it's hard to pick up on the other things, but I feel like as you reel this in, the Lord's going to actually highlight a great communication gift on you, and there's a thing of peace on you. I, when I met you earlier today, I felt the tangible peace of the Lord, so people feel comfortable with you and so being aware that you carry this peace and being aware that you carry this love is your best friend so when you come up to people you're going to know from the start man they may be encountering peace and love like they haven't known before so when you can use those um in your in your favor then all of a sudden that peace takes the edge off and it takes the pressure off because there's not a rush so sometimes people that don't feel bold or feel like a little back they feel like there's pressure so you got to say something and then emotion comes out, and you can't articulate it, but I feel like the Lord's going to remove time from you, where these are just like more conversational, and he kind of lets the pressure off. But
4: yeah. That's kind of my indication of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Isn't it? And so, if I want that to go away, then I figure the Holy Spirit's going away, because mm. now I'm wrestling with yeah. I want this emotion out of the way, yeah. but is, is an emotion, I believe he told me, that that's how I feel the Holy Spirit. So, I'm kind of fighting
1: yeah, no, that's no. a beautiful question, and it's not wrong uh, to think that, because that is a way that you experience the Holy Spirit. But I would propose to you that it is a way. It is not the only way. So what the Lord is doing is He's broadening your palate, if we're talking about food. You know, like you've been tasting one thing, and that's taste and see that He's good. He's oh so good. But He's also good in other arenas, but because you're so strong in that, we we generally gravitate towards our greatest strengths, and we don't go towards our weaknesses. But there will be seasons where the Lord will cause our greatest strength to actually become a, a deficit or a stumbling block to us. So we dial back because we're already proficient in that area. So you don't need more training in an area you're proficient in. You need to work on stuff you're not good at. So the Lord will shift his emphasis and it feels like I've got my right shoe on my left foot and my left shoe on my right foot for a season. But the Lord's not, He's not looking to make you a professional at this. He's, making, He's looking to make you dependent on him. So, so as you feel more dependent on him, be encouraged because that's what he wants you to do. But you will, con- I, I would encourage you, it will not go away. You will continue to feel him that way. But there are new ways. And if that's good, look out because what's on the other side is also very, very, very good. And there are ways that I feel God when I'm prophesying strong correction or order. But there are ways that I'll be just talking to somebody, which is not my predominant thing, where the mercy and love of God comes to me and I begin to weep uncontrollably, which is not my predominant. And it took me a while to get there because i would I was always so you know ready to cut it down and tear it up and you know burn it down and build something new, um, but I started to recognize the power of God in equal demonstration in some things I just couldn't see before, but dude, you got peace all over you, Leonard, like you do, and you have this thing that god is 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 using with you, and I really even when i when I met you earlier, I was just like, man, this guy is going to lead many people to the Lord. And there's something very powerful. I don't know your testimony. I haven't talked to you about your testimony. But I saw very particularly like some, like, like, uh, I saw like veterans and like uh, prisoners of war type setups. Like I feel like God's going to consistently cause you to encounter people from that era and actually lead them to the Lord. Like they'll feel connected to you. And sometimes you just find your people and you don't know why. But I saw the Lord actually using you as a catalyst to see forgotten people. And as you see forgotten people, you actually feel the compassion of the Lord, and that's what it is, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's one of your greatest resources. But he's going to give you the ability to articulate it, and uh, God's going to use you to bring a lot of people in. It's a really good thing. So I would encourage you. He's going to shift your gifting a little bit, but it's a good thing. Is that cool? Does that make sense? Okay, if it doesn't, this is the time to say, that's cool. Yeah, I talk a lot, so you can record it. All right, raise your hands if you there you go, there's close, wherever, do your thing, man.
3: <clears throat> so I don't, I don't know exactly my question, but um, <laughs> me neither.
1: so But <laughs> I'm <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, We tend to be a magnet for uh, people who feel that they can deal in healing, so um, my husband is deaf, and right away people mm-hmm. swarm to him because yeah, yeah. that's a visible thing that they think that he needs to be healed from. Um, and we've heard several times that it's not God's will for him, for him to be deaf. Yeah. And that really contradicts with his identity. Okay. So what, what would you give to people who, I don't know, what words of wisdom would yeah. you instill that some people, I don't know, I really struggle with that. So That's a
1: great question. Yeah. So, for instance, uh, if you guys are familiar with Bethel Redding, Eric Johnson is deaf. So Bethel in Northern California, um, predominantly known for radical miracles and healings, and their pastor, Bill Johnson's son, is deaf. Um, and they live in like Healing Central and everybody and their mom wanted to come pray for him and it became an issue where it was just a personal issue where it became an issue with family and identity and stuff like that like I don't want to just be the deaf person you know And any time that you approach someone it must be with the compassion of the Lord and not a goal-oriented thing like I, I discourage if you're if you go to Lead somebody to Jesus because you feel obligated to and it's not motivated in love. I don't think you're doing it in the right motivation. If you pray for a sick person simply because they're sick and you're not motivated by love, there's a better way. So if you begin to see somebody that has an issue and you, like, again, and you, like, you leave the situation, you don't know their name or you don't know something about them, then I don't know what you're doing, but it doesn't seem like kingdom work to me. And I'm in circle, like, we, Worldwide Healing ministry and we're introducing people and are getting a taste for it and it's very exciting when you first come into revival and I remember when I first found out God heals I was like 20 years I didn't know this now everybody's getting healed and I would you know like go after it so you make mistakes and um, zeal without knowledge is a problem and the Bible says it's not good to have zeal without knowledge nor be hasty and miss the way God's not in a hurry ever um, so like sometimes people are like I got to do this right now if you feel the unction of the Lord that's one thing If you feel the urgency like time's running out and I can't do this any other time, it may not be God. Um, And you may be prematurely running into something that God's wanting to develop in relationship. The most significant healings and miracles of my life have come through relationships long-term with people. And I pray for thousands of people one-on-one. And I have seen blind eyes. I have seen deaf ears. I've seen tumors dissolve. I've seen metal dissolve. I've seen, like, you name it, we've seen it. Organs uh, put back in bodies. They were born without them kind of stuff. Um, but with that thing, particularly if it's notable, um, and it's your preference, and, and you know what's good, and you can still be fully in faith believing and set parameters and boundaries and say, please not. So, like, if you were part of a local body and you feel that way, I would go to the leader and say, hey, we, we're not comfortable with this, and you're going to have um, a season where people don't know and they're going, and that's okay, um, but it's, it's up to you. Like, you have you reserve the right to say no or yes, and it's not you being mean or if anybody comes to you and tries to pray for you and you say no and they get mad at you their heart is definitely not right so it's okay to do that but in the in the in between for lack of better words in the gap of yes i believe it's god's will for healing to happen but sometimes we are faced with a thing in front of us there's the truth of god's word and there are the facts sometimes the facts don't line up with the truth you know like truth is jesus he's the way the truth and the life but sometimes we see a different reality and long-suffering and endurance looks different in that season and you can do it you can stand in a place of impasse and still believe the lord and not allow your faith to get hurt um and that's okay but it doesn't help when you're trying to do that and other people are are saying things anybody that said um yeah and, and anybody that tries to put healing off like you didn't get healed because of faith that's not the lord that's a lie that's not even biblically accurate so you can stand in faith and sometimes healing by nature is a process uh, too. So whether it's accelerated or long term, like your body will heal itself naturally. It's the way God designed you. Um, so sometimes we pray the wrong way. And a miracle is instantaneous. You don't have to question, did that happen? But I've seen here a miracle or healings happen in 30 seconds. I've seen them happen in three days. Um, and it's still healing. Um, so that's okay. But yeah, you, you can set your parameters and that's okay. Just be clear about it. And, and then don't be get offended if people just didn't know and they stepped in. But it's okay. Um, and being honest in the process is fine. Like, but just remember, I tell everybody, I was at a meeting in Chicago, 2011, and uh, there was this lady, and I don't know what she had. She had some form of bone disease where her, her feet curled up and her bones twisted and she couldn't walk. She was very little and she was in a motorized chair and we were at a like an awakening style event. It was healing oriented. And uh, somebody had gotten out of a wheelchair earlier, which is always great. But when people are in a room and they're going for healing and revival and they see one person get out of a wheelchair, they're like, looking for anything with wheels, and they're like, let's go, you know, <clears throat> but what I noticed as I was walking, and I'm I'm for this, but like, you got to listen to the Spirit of the Lord in the moment, because Jesus healed blind people differently in the Bible, so there's like, not one, do it this way, I'm not grabbing mud and spitting in people's eyes every time I pray for the blind people, I just have a lot of muddy-eyed mad people, they're still blind, you know, <laughs> but uh, so I'm, I'm I'm walking through the the area, and this other person's going, and there's there's just, it gets kind of out of control, it gets like very... Crazy sometimes, and people just aren't thinking. And uh, this woman who's been relegated to a chair probably her whole life, sitting there, there's probably 150 people surrounding her, people she doesn't know, just like, you know, hands on. Like, I'm not a touchy-feely, so I don't like people. Like, understand, like, there's, you would just walk up to somebody on the street and start touching them. Like, that's not a thing you do. So don't get all charismatic and weird about it, you know? Ask permission. <laughs> you don't have the right to just grab people on the street. That's, you go to jail for that. Um, but anyways, we don't want that reputation. But she's sitting there, all these people on her, praying, like, you know, be healed, and like people trying to pull her out of the chair without consulting her. And I walked by, and I, I was grieved deeply in my spirit. I'm not mad at these people. Um, they just don't know. It's overzealous, they don't know. And I walked by, and I was like, God, I'm grieved. I don't know what to do. And I don't stand there and tell them don't do it because I didn't feel like that was the right thing. And I walked by, and... Uh, I could tell she was uncomfortable body language will tell you everything you need to know if you pay attention and uh, I I walked by I was not trying to be I was trying to just get out of there it's crowded and uh, the Lord said go wash your feet and I was like it doesn't even make any sense you know like and and then gives me like this crazy like download you know and I I walked past and I was like God I don't even have like I going to wash your feet with and uh, somebody right when I thought it I think handed me a bottle of water and a guy bumped into me with a towel over his shoulder one of, those, <clears throat> one of those, like, well, what are you going to do now, Justin? It's like, oh, crap, you know, like, I got to do it now. <clears throat> and I mean, like, this, this woman was, was severely disabled. It wasn't like, like, this would have been a miracle. And I'm not, not anti that. At this point in my life, I've not seen any of that. And uh, so I, I go over, and I, I just, I had a, like, fight to get down. I just leaned and whispered in her ear. I said, hey, I felt like the Lord wanted me to wash your feet. If you're okay with that, if you're not, I'm totally fine with it. It's fine. And I stopped and I started washing her feet. And as I was washing her feet, the presence of the Lord dropped and everybody stopped what they were doing and backed up. And uh, and then I just started prophesying over her as I was washing her feet. Very detailed stuff that I didn't know. She begins weeping and her husband begins weeping. People around were weeping because if we're goal oriented we see a person who's sick and we're like that person's got to be healed but if we're people oriented like jesus was he looks past she's in a chair he looks past this that doesn't define her she's a person and she is a person that has feelings and emotions and she's probably feeling away right there and the lord spoke deeply to her and she like she was undone we were all undone it was a mess but i think god is looking in so many circumstances to drive a stake in the ground and say think About what you're doing, you know, and I'm I'm using this is a really good illustration. Yes, pray for the sick. Be bold. Step out. Do that. I do those things. If the spirit is telling you to do that, don't assume because someone's in a wheelchair they want prayer for that. I have prayed for people in wheelchairs with different issues. They came up. I don't want you to pray for that. I want you to pray for this, and they get healed of something else, and that's okay, and that's legal, and God works things out in different times. Does this make sense? Is this okay? Just like don't go with a knee-jerk reaction. Just like. You know, just think about it. Every person that you pray with, every encounter you have, Holy Spirit, what are you, what are you doing? God, what, what, are you, what am I, I need to see you doing something right now. I need to hear you saying, and if I don't, I don't have anything to give. So just keep that in mind. I hope that was helpful. next question, yeah, go for it.
3: I was wondering, um, hardly anyone ever talks about in the Bible uh, the fact that Jesus, you know, was arrested as a criminal. He was executed as a criminal. He, um, y- you know, most of the New Testament, w- or half the New Testament was written by uh, the Apostle Paul, who was mm-hmm. writing for being chained up. He was yeah. being chained. And, <coughs> and I think um, that, you know, a lot of, I mean, and Jesus, you know, says, if the world hates me, they're going to hate you. And what they did to me, they're going to do to you. And, and things like that. And, and um, I don't hear a lot of, uh, I don't really, I don't, I mean, I don't hear a lot of, um, I don't hear anything addressed about that. I just hear that, you know, from leaders in the church that, you know, it's all supposed to be great and grand and you're supposed to be rich and healthy and beautiful. And, and there are people, like, literally locked up uh, around the world for, like, you know, uh, fighting corruption or uh, uh, cruelty or abuse mm-hmm. or even, some, like, for example, even even non-Christians are doing this. You know, I look at, yeah. like, John Lewis who is, uh, was uh, – there when Martin Luther King was shot he was and and he you know he's been a prison he's been to jail. He's been arrested over forty times. Yeah. I heard this guy and now he's a congressman. Yeah. But he was beaten and arrested, you know, for uh, for you know civil rights, which now would be considered human rights. Yeah. But it's just it's like there's so many things going on. I mean I, I live in Flint. I'm I'm from Flint and I've been an activist for the water and, and the yeah. poverty and the government taking the money and not giving it to the people and leaving us for dead. And, and I've been arrested, and, and I feel like, you know, I mean, I look bad on paper for being arrested, but I'm a Christian, I'm doing
0: mm-hmm. what the
3: Bible says to do, and, and they're mad, because they don't want, they don't want to, it to be exposed that we're still being killed with water, and, yeah. and we're, you
1: know, I think what you're, what you're probably talking about is a reformer's anointing. So there's, <clears throat> there's refival, revival, and then there's um, reform, uh, and, and there's, two, there's basically two legs to, re, to revival. Revival looks like awakening within um, culture and different realms of society and reform deals with the issues that are not where they need to be. So you would take your Martin Luther Kings, your Martin Luth- Luthers, you would take um, even uh, Abraham Lincoln, you would take all of these people who were reformers um, and they kind of kicked against certain things that were in their age. Um, and and the, the reality is in the Bible you will find both. You will find kings who are extremely wealthy and ministers. You will find inside the palace. You will find outside the palace. You will find Daniel's, and you will find John the Baptist. And God ministers to both of them and through them. But John the Baptist was not validated based on the fact that he wore camel's hair and ate locust. He was validated based on the fact that he had the word of the Lord. And Daniel was not validated based on the fact that he was within the king's palace. He was validated on the fact that he had the word of the Lord. So the greater defining thing in your life is... Yeah, those those issues exist, but like, and I think, too, it's relegated to your viewpoint. So, like, I travel the world. So I don't just travel a region of the U.S. or a state. So I come all over the U.S., and I hear people make really broad-stroke statements, say the church is this, the church is that. I'm like, I don't know what church you're talking about, because, you know, and what they're saying is it's their worldview, and what, what they're exposed to. This is my reality. Uh, Dr. Mark Sharon is a mentor of mine. He said, you don't see the world as it is. You see the world as you are. So there's this constant challenge of allowing the the Word of God and the principles and statutes in it to test us rather than us to test them against our reality, but still being faced in the middle of it, if this makes sense. I'm a minister, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm all these things, and I will find things in the Bible that align with that, but I will also find things that are very different than that. And uh, my goal is not to worry about all the things that I'm not doing, but it's about knowing my assignment, knowing where I'm at, sticking with that, and being validated off sonship and identity rather than what I'm doing. And as I'm good as a son, then I'll be happy doing what I'm doing. I know people that are in prison. I know people that have been beaten. And uh, there's some very bad things, particularly Iris Ministries and stuff like that. And Mozambique is not in a good season right now. And there's bad things happening. But you won't hear them propagating, um, you know, this is happening and people are dying. You'll hear them propagating the gospel of the good news of the kingdom. And everywhere that I know the most persecuted people, their message is not it's not the, the subculture, it's the greater culture of the kingdom. And I know people that rescue people in human trafficking in Mexico with the cartels, and I know people that are, pastors are being decapitated, cut limb from limb, sent to different, you know, local churches, and they're not preaching that. They're not preaching persecution, they're preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and the church is striving. So I think you will have troubles in this world, and there is a fellowship of the sufferings, uh, but the definition is that we're un, un, united in Him. So if that's your thing, go with it, go with God and do that, but be a light, and be loving, and, and be serving in that, and don't look for, in any situation, don't look for your validation out of what you do, look at it who you are, that's a really good question, though. thank you, It's good, who else we got, oh, look at this, oh, yeah, you're right here, you're good, I'm taking over your job, Todd, I'm sorry,
3: um, <laughs>
0: um, I have a son who is, um, gay, mm-hmm. and I, I haven't really, like, talked to him about, yeah. you know, the fact that, you know, the Bible says that's wrong, of course, he was raised in church so I automatically assume he knows, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, I wasn't always a perfect example
1: for him, you know, um, while he was growing up, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a lot of issues that God had to work out in me, you know, a lot of brokenness and
3: yeah.
0: so, um and so I kinda sometimes blame myself, you know. Yeah, that maybe if I was, you know, a better Christian, you know, maybe yeah. he wouldn't be this way and I just find it really hard to really, you know, like, tell them, and I feel yeah. like, and then I feel bad because I feel like, well, if I really love them, then I will tell them, you know, yeah. and
1: I don't know. No, so I, first off, I just break off every lie that says that, yes. that his state is, is because of <laughs> what you did, okay? So you don't have to live in that, all right, Kathy? Like, for real, that's not the truth. I know, I know people that are ministers, have been ministers their whole life, and, you know, their, their kids are in prison, so... Like, you can do everything right, and it's still up to each individual to choose to follow the Lord on their own. That is not your responsibility, and you're aware of that, and there's grace extended to you, so don't, don't live under that anymore. What you can do is you can love your son now, and you can model what a, what a, a Christ-centered life is now, and uh, two, like, particularly in family, sometimes it's most difficult to minister to your family. I minister to the whole world, and sometimes it's hardest to have the conversations at my dinner table, you know and uh, it doesn't mean we don't we get to opt out of them um, but you don't have to live under that lie anymore just now you know the, the Bible says if any man be in Christ new creation new creature the old is gone not even there anymore God ain't bringing it up so why are you you know everything has been made new so there's now transformation resurrection power in your life so even things that look dead are going to get up and change because what Christ did in you is the nature of what he's going to do in the lives of those around you so you can be a loving mother who is present, who is not a voice of accusation and condemnation, but a voice of presence and love. And the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. So regardless of it, whether it's murder, sexual sin, uh, you name it, any sin in the book, you can stand now, and there's a way for the Lord to get at the heart. So just be present. It's your, you know, like, is your son, right? You love your son? How much do you love your son? A lot. You know God loves him a whole lot more than you do? I know. That's hard to fathom, isn't it? So I think it's going to work out okay for him. Um, And I think that as you just position your heart to let God utilize you and you listen and be obedient, that it's actually going to work out well for you. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have to live under that lie um, that things are... You know, people make their own choices. Like if if everybody that I counseled or ministered to in my life that failed was my fault, I am in trouble. I would have quit ministry like when I started, you know? But like people have their own choices and that's their own thing. And and the, the story of grace... And reconciliation in his life is, you know, you don't you don't stop reading a book four chapters in because you won't know the outcome. The story's still being written. As long as there's breath in people, as long as there's hope and chance. Yeah, is that good? Yeah. 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 I do you have any, like, resources? Or F- specifically for yeah. for yeah. people in the, in the LGBTQ community? Um, I know, uh, there's a friend of mine uh, that works with uh, within LGBTQ circles. He's recently switched over to more, um, like, transgender and, 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 and that specific focus but it's called Truth Ministries I'll give you the information later uh, but it's, it's really good I, I know this I know that, that accusation and hate and anger and distance doesn't work I work with a lot of people in that community and I know that like, in, like I said with anything else if you make somebody a project is the best way to guarantee that you won't have a relationship with them and if you can't love them sit down with them and, and live life with them you probably don't love them so start there um, with the heart of Jesus, and then conversations will come up. Um, but it's my job to model Christ in front of people, and they can let my life speak, you know? I have noticed Yeah. boyfriend has been liking all of my religious there I've faced yeah. lately. There you so go. i kind of getting a little There you go. God's going to work out his That's okay. And, uh, God causes everything to work out for good. So no matter what you think is bad, he'll make it, he'll make it good, I promise. It's good. He can't lie. Good. Thank you, Kathy. All right, we got. You pick. Me pick. All right. We were right at four. Do you want to cut off in a second? Can we do two more? You want? To? We'll do two more. Okay. So you had your hand up. I want to. Yeah. Go for it.
4: Oh,
2: thank you. Um, okay. So this was just something. If fear is not from the Lord. Yeah. But every time I feel prompted to talk to somebody, I feel fear. Yeah. And I know that's just me. And so, I'm like, all right, I can die to this. I can get over it. Like, yeah. kill my pride. Do my thing. But um, should I even be like speaking if I'm like scared, like down in my core, like terrified? <laughs> Feel
1: the emotion and, and go with it. So, so when I say fear is not your, your lot in life and fear isn't that, I'm not saying that, you, a lot of times people identify an unsteadiness about the unknown as fear. And it's really a control issue deep down in your bones because we all like to control our circumstances. So what we like to do is live life with no surprises because the surprises but like so let me give you an an example because I've given a thousand today but I've got kids I got two daughters and a son Uh, my daughter's seven four and two is my son so I say hey there's a surprise uh, tomorrow I'm not going to tell you what it is Um, my kids uh, they're not like going to think that I'm going to take them out in the backyard and break their legs Uh, they're not going to take they're not going to think that I'm going to slam their hand in a door they're not going to think that I'm going to burn them with matches. If I tell them there's a surprise or something unknown, they're going to say, are we going to go to Disney World? Are we going to get ice cream? Are we going to have a movie night? What are we going to do? As a child and with childlike faith, the unknown looks like opportunity. But somewhere in life, when we get trained by the devil in fear and lack, we start to think that the unknown equals torment, that the unknown equals uh, bad things. And it's because we've departed from the nature of God. So God is is a good father who gives good gifts, every good gift comes from him. So when you step out into unknown circumstances, it's a reframing of your thought process to say the unknown, I may not know the other side of it, but I do know that it's good. Does this make sense? So because I know that it's good, that uneasy feeling, it's like, uh, I don't know how you feel about if you do like, if you jump off like cliffs into water, or <laughs> bungee jumping, that's a good feeling. Like it, it actually becomes like a great, it's like a, like a high almost. So now, rather than I'm afraid and I retract into myself, I'm actually like, this is actually a lot of fun. It's a little, little bit nervous because I don't know, but it's actually a good thing. So it's all in perspective, honestly. And it, some of it's a little bit in the semantics, but, but fear is, is a lie that you believe that creates a, a, a belief system in your life, and it becomes self fulfilling prophecy. I can't speak to people. I won't speak to people. My voice doesn't matter. Yada 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 and it's a slippery slope. And you get really introspective and it doesn't go good places. So what the Lord is is actually probably prompting you to do is like lean into that because we say faith is spelled R I S K. So no risk, no reward. The greater the risk, the greater the leap. Oftentimes the reward is really good on the other side. It's not a guarantee that you'll knock it out of the park every time. Um, but it's okay to feel those feelings I'm not saying like we all have feelings but the reality is that we are not defined by our feelings we're defined by the word of God and what he says about us Bible says you're more than conquerors uh, through Christ and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world Bible says fear not so many times it's ridiculous Uh, you know like uh, fear not I'm with you even to the end of the, uh, the age you know like there's a thousand cases so feel the feelings reframe fear in your life and the unknown doesn't equal fear the unknown just means that God's got something new for you, like a surprise. So take it with eyes like a child. That was a really wordy answer, but I think I got my point. Yeah, so. Pick it, man. Uh, yellow shirt and then Amber. Sorry, that's three. Um
0: so I just I kinda of thought about this, but um I meet people and I just hear their stories automatically. Yeah. Um like my coworker, I know her whole life story. Uh-huh. Probably the first week I worked with her, like she told me. I've been at like Walmart, I hear everybody's story. Like I just meet people and I hear their story. And so I take it to God and and sometimes that's when I can pray with them, but sometimes I just don't know what to do with that information. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why people always share that stuff with me. But I know stuff that I yes. just don't ever need to know.
1: So so you know stuff by the spirit or they tell you?
0: They they tell me. They
1: tell you. Okay. That's that's awesome. That's great. So it means what I would call is you have a spirit of counsel on you. So so people unknowingly identify that. And it's actually the way that the spirit So I would I would propose I don't know what you do, but I feel like it's probably wisdom and counsel on your life, so even when you don't know what to do, your gift is going to be in operation, whether you are or not, you know, so, like, your gift is on you, you to... so people always want me to prophesy, I'm like, I'm tired, you know, <laughs> I just, I'm just hangry, you know, you know, but they still come, you know, so, <laughs> so the same with you, it's like, I don't know what to do with it you know, I don't know either, but, you know, we in this thing together, so, yay, um, but, yeah, you you just, you just acknowledge it and your gift is a gift. So just when you recognize that you're poised in position, uh, you just, you know, go for it, you know, and it's okay to, to not know too, but just it's a spirit of counsel. Like You can't, like I, some of you would say, no matter where I go, people tell me everything about themselves. You probably have a spirit of counsel on here, And with that, you need wisdom so that you can give the right, you can give the right counsel in the right scenario. Yeah, but, but go for it. And what kind of work do you do? You work in a machine shop, yeah. Okay. All right. I would look for intentional opportunities to give counsel and maybe even some certification and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a machine shop. That's great. Uh, but you might find that some opportunities arise where you can uh, give yourself uh, more fully to that. And you might be really surprised at how it develops and can actually be something that uh, is sustainable in your life. So, yeah, that Cool. All right. I think she said two, so we're going to get two, and I'm going to hand it off to you, and then we will go do our thing upstairs and all that stuff. So thank you guys so much. Great questions. Those were super good.
2: So we have a couple hours before the evening service tonight. So if you are not from the Jackson area, and you want to grab something to eat, um, I'm assuming everyone has GPS. So you're looking for West Road or Airport Road probably. That's where most of the Restaurants are going to be, West Road is just, if you head west on Michigan Avenue, and about a mile you're going to hit West Road, you'll take a right, head it back toward the freeway, and there's all kinds of, there's like Cadoba and Panda Express, there's a Texas Roadhouse, um, over in that way there's a Panera, just off of West Road, with that. Yeah, and then on this trip, you've got some restaurants here too. Actually fun, if you want unique restaurants, there's the Junkyard Dog, which has got all kinds of stuff. There's three or four restaurants here. The Chase, um, which is just the next block, has pizza and sandwiches and burgers. And that's kind of fun. And then what's Chilango's is this next block, the chicken place. The Dirty Bird, Bird. yeah. So if you want some fun Jackson stuff, what is – Grant? okay, and then if you want something a little nicer – just across the street, what is it called? The Grand, River. Grand River, Grand River Brewery is just across the street that way, like a block down this way. Um, and then Chilango's on the corner here, just a block down. They have either Mexican food. They also have a salad bar where they like make the salad you want, and it is the chop yeah yeah Chilango's chop house is pretty awesome that those are both just in those corners so you can stay down here if you want more of the run-of-the-mill stuff it's west road and airport road but there is some fun stuff downtown if you want to check it out so in two hours we'll come back um part of what our plan was for today is we thought we could have a service on saturday night and he could just go into healing and prophetic but we wanted to get some teaching to undergird that right because you can come and experience that but we actually want to be able to take what we're experiencing and then do something with it so I'm so glad you came to these sessions. So now tonight, we'll have some demonstration of the things we're talking about. Um, So get full so you're not hangry. Get something in your bellies, and we'll come back. And so let me just pray over you before you go. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Seal the word in our heart, God. Seal the word in our heart, God. Lord, our minds can't even recall all the things you just gave to us. So, Father, you help us. (laughs) You help us. Seal the things that you're speaking to us, God. And I pray for each person. There's a different reason why we're all here, different things are stirring up. And so, Father, we just bless each other in this house. We bless each other and the purposes you have for each one of us and for what comes next, what springs from the seed that's getting planted today. We bless each other in this way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Encourage somebody before you go, and we'll see you back here at 6. Hi.